Hello there, and welcome to the Literarily Trash Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roseanne. I'm Vanessa. I'm Samantha. And I'm Stephanie. And we're four sisters who love to read, drink, and talk shit. If you check any of those boxes, or hell, if you're just looking for some solid entertainment, you've come to the right place. Our exclusive book club is now open to the public. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's talk some shit. Oh, and hey, listener discretion is advised. So, who does it better, Rosie <laughs> or Samantha? <laughs> who does the better? It's <sighs> pretty good. Should I do it again? <laughs> Let me get an actual sip so it's done. Wet your whistle. <laughs> I feel like a like a like an eight year old grandpa drinking out of my. I want bottle. I want you to say I want you to say what you're drinking. Sammy. So I so my husband was supposed to stop and get me some tequila on the way home and he didn't. So I scrummaged and I found this little like what is this a small bottle of Jack Daniels Tennessee Fire. Oh, Jesus Christ, spice? Sam. That's like fireball, right? It's what it tastes like. It's, it's been it is. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and what else are you drinking now? Um oh. well it's gone now. A bush light. <laughs> that was also in the back of the fridge. <laughs> I was digging deep, guys. She also um, part-time lives in a trailer, too. So that's where she... <laughs> Brett, was like, can... Brett was like, can't you just do it without it? I'm like, no. I'm looking forward not. to this. <laughs> exactly. And I'm drinking trash tequila, which is honestly by this point, because we've been setting up for so long, watered down and um... chug it. Let's see. Yeah, I was going to play, just like chug it. Yeah. Chug it real quick. Let's you see know what? Yeah, I will. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's All right. I'm going to watch how many minutes it takes me to... Uh... Change. Chug, 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 chug. This is a really bad idea. This is a very bad idea. It's really early on, too. That was a bad idea. Oh, God. All right, you can leave that sip for later. That was a bad idea. She's contemplating her life right now. Why did you guys let me, like, so many things growing up, why would you let me do that? Entertainment. Entertainment, yeah. There was chanting involved. <laughs> Guys, it's the Karen Slaughter episode. We have oh, we gee. have at this point in time met our idol, Karen Slaughter. We have met her. We have chatted with her. She did see our shirts, guys. If you listened to the last episode, we talked about how we were gonna get her attention. Guess what? It did. We got her. Mm-hmm. In fact, as soon as she got done speaking, we were the very first people she came to talk to and take a picture with, which is pretty awesome. That is true. I actually keep forgetting mm-hmm. about that. That is a yeah. fact. Yeah, Stephanie held her very, very tightly. Yeah. And I whispered to the person taking the camera, like, oop, I messed it up. I was like, take your time. Like, how creepy. Can you imagine? <laughs> I just remember like Stephanie would, cause we turned around, we were holding our books. And when she came to us and they're like, do you want to go get her picture? The people from Foxtel bookshop were ones like orchestrated this picture. 
And I remember Stephanie, we turned around to put our books on the table. We were like, oh my God, it's happening. Like I was sitting here like fangirling the fuck out. I like had borderline tears. I was like, oh my God, this is it. Like that, that was the highlight I think for me is like her coming right off the stage and just coming right to us. And like, that was the best part to me. Like, yes, you know, talking to her was nice too, but that was it. I was like, oh my God, she likes us. Mm -hmm. I would like you guys to know what she wrote in my book. This was specifically for all of you crazy ass bitches. She said to Vanessa, thanks for driving the crazy people home safe. (laughs) That was because you guys were so like a little on the psycho side when we met her. I feel like when I, when we got to talk to her, like to stand in line and get her to sign our books and stuff, I feel like I definitely blanked and was so Cheshire grinning, Cheshire cat grinning at her the whole time. Like, I I feel like I couldn't even form a good sentence at that point in time. And I was just so elated that she already came right to us. And I don't know. I feel like I kind of bombed at the end. Like, I could have said a lot more, but she was probably, like, over the whole night herself, like, talking for so long and meeting people. But I was just happy to be in her presence just standing there in front of her. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else feel that way? Well, yeah, I was going to say, we've got to, we probably got to release this Roseanne's question she asked yeah. Karen Slaughter. So, so we've already made a ruckus. We're walking in there in all our all white shirts. You know, I mean, people are looking at us, of course. And we go and sit like second seat row mm-hmm. from the front. Like, like we're not late, but like, you know, people are there. We go and take up all these seats. Um, and, um, and we get there and, you know, Karen talks with the other author and they're kind of talking back and forth about the book. And then they open it up for Q&A. And so Rosie, you know, she's very impatiently, like a little kid in class, like <laughs> trying trying to get Karen's attention. Like, it's so good. And I can, I, you can hear it on the recording. She's like, oh, I do. I do. Like, that's your question. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and then when Roseanne finally gets her chance, she gets up and she, you know, introduces, you know, I'm here with my sisters. Um, she's doing great. She's like, I'm here with my sisters. <laughs> and mind you, honestly, none of us have any idea what she's about to ask. Like, honestly, <laughs> don't. Like, she would tell. We, we had no idea what she's about to ask. I think so I remember. Like, oh. I think I remember someone saying, "What are you going to say?" I said, "You'll I see." I know. Yes, I was tapping. I was like, "Present." I was like, "Present." Run it by us. And you were like, "You'll see. I've got this, bitches." <laughs> yes, you should have known what was coming with that. So Roseanne, Roseanne finally gets her chance after like being like, "Ooh, pick me." They finally pick her, and she stands up and she's you know introducing us and and, and explains that collectively our favorite book is Pretty Girls, um, and that you know we couldn't sleep for weeks afterwards, like thanking her just for giving us these horrible dreams. And then she proceeds to ask her, "What? How did you come up with such a fucked up idea like Pretty Girls?" And and, and you literally hear like audible gasping from like people like you did that true, including us. Well, no, including us because we were like, oh, like she had already but, dropped a couple f bombs herself. That's the only reason she I did. felt compelled to say well, it. Well, I was going to say the best part is that it didn't even miss a beat. She totally, and I'll have to like, maybe I can transcribe what she said in her response. Like it was a great response she gave us about mm-hmm. how she came up with the day of pretty girls. Yeah. But no, it was a great night y'all. Like it was awesome. Still one of the best nights ever. It was awesome. We met a lot of really fun people mm-hmm. that night, which I think mm-hmm. is probably one of the coolest parts of it. So if any of you guys are listening, we absolutely loved meeting you. It was so fun. Hi. Hey guys. <laughs> You guys can't see it, but Stephanie, <laughs> yeah. somebody's making a lot of hand gestures, like really excited. No, but honestly, that's what was so cool about the Karen Slaughter event is that there was such a range of, of age groups of people and different types of people, different readers. And there was actually a, a bunch of book clubs mm-hmm. there, which was pretty cool mm-hmm. too. 
Um, so we really, there was just a, a really nice collection of people that we got to meet. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I got to give a shout out to the, the couple who sat in front of us. Yes, we loved you guys <laughs> yeah. so much. The husband and wife. <laughs> yes, you guys were great oh my sports. Gosh. <laughs> great sports with our banter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody, she, I think she even held our wine. She was like, give me that. You're going to spill it while we were like jostling around. <laughs> I think it was, it was after Samantha had already spilled the wine on me oh, yeah. and I had to go to the bathroom to get cleaned up and she held mm-hmm. my wine while I went to go clean Samantha's wine off of my purse. And off of your brand new book. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Did it get oh, on the book? Yeah. yeah, it did. And this show hasn't even started yet, guys. This is just like, we're, we just sat down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. And I cracked a Parkinson's joke to the husband. <laughs> it was a bold move. Yeah, he was, he was like, do you want me to take a picture? She's like, are you going to have Parkinson's when you take it? <laughs> No, no, I, no, no, I, I think, I think it's, he's like, oh, I don't know. My hands are kind of shaky. I was like, what are you talking about? It's even worse. I know guys. I know. Look, if we ever get rich and famous, I have a lot of, I have a lot of like, um, what's the, what's the word? Clean up to do PR yes. work. PR work. Yes. Yeah. I'm like fucked. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what I'll need if we ever get rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wipe the slate. <laughs> no, it was super fun. And also, and also, um, my so I, I have really bad allergies, so I have to go to an ENT office like every day, or not every day. I'm sorry, every week, and go get allergy shots. <laughs> and so I've befriended, I've befriended the um, lovely woman who gives me my allergy shots every week. And so she came out and met us. Mm-hmm. Um, are we allowed to call her our first groupie? I think she referred to herself as our first groupie, didn't she? I or mean, am I drunk and not No, recalling? I mean, she okay. can't stop us now, honestly. she's our. She was our first groupie. She can't stop okay. us. Okay. Yes. Liberty, we love you for being our first groupie. But yeah, she came and hung out with us and like took all of our pictures and followed us around and took videos. And yeah, it was awesome. And just, you know, getting to meet someone who loves books as much as we do mm-hmm. and fangirl out about it. It was fun. Yeah, it was a really nice. One weekend. of my favorite things about Liberty was she let us. We went to um, the Foxtel Bookshop before the event started, and Liberty was like, "Okay, everybody picks out a book that you would recommend I read." And that was so much fun. It was fun shopping for somebody else. That was yeah. We got to basically like some of us picked books we'd already read before. Boring. Um, I went in there and I was picking a book like one I would have got for myself. In fact, there was only one copy, and I was kind of like, "Damn it!" When she got it, I was like, "That was the only one." <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> she did she let us all pick us out of pick her out a book which is really cool of her um mm-hmm. yeah and she was hanging out with us i think it's important to preface um the drinks were flowing before meeting karen slaughter oh mm-hmm. yeah it was those cucumber somethings the, the muddled uh, cucumber no, hey, don't forget this. we had mimosas mm-hmm. or at least i i sure as hell did before we even left the house we had mimosas before we left we had bloody mary when we got there yep there was cucumber, the cucumber somethings that kept cucumber going Collins. for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Eskimo. Can we? P words. Can we? <laughs> I don't want to say it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Eskimo pussy <laughs> shot, which we, which was, was delicious. delicious. We had the coolest, yes. we, we had the coolest bartenders at, where were we? Where were we at? Rose? What was in it? Shout it out. What was it called? Oh, <laughs> Whose idea was it? I thought someone recommended it to us. I thought it was you, Rose. Um, well, she'll look it up. But oh, we had Liberty did. Um, yeah, Liberty recommended it. I, I can find it in my Google okay. Map history. Oh, whoa! Google, Google Map history. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Rootstock <laughs> found it. Rootstock is going to delete stuff now. <laughs> Rootstock in Woodstock. Anyways, Rootstock in Woodstock. <laughs> we had we had really cool bartenders. It was uh we we went out walking around in our tight jeans, thinking we were going to have a good time, and it was hot as balls out that day. So we ended up retreating <laughs> back to the root rooftop Woodstock. Um, and we had some super cool bartenders who hung out with us, let us just crash in this little upper place. There was, it was quiet, you know, that little in between dinner, you know, lunch scenario. Um, they let us hang out there and just made us the Eskimo pussies. We had a great time. We had a great time. A lot of people were recognizing our shirts, knew we were there for the event. So we had lots of book talk, met a lot of people who were there to meet Karen Slaughter. And I mean, you guys know if you've read her work, if you're a Karen Slaughter fan, you're a little bit messed up. You're a little messed up, you know. So you're part of the club. We're a great yeah. group. So you're, you're, we're like yeah. great group of people, though. Someone says they love Karen Slaughter. We're like, oh hell yeah, you're messed up, baby. Come on, join the club. Like, let's all hang out and talk. Um, mm-hmm. We know you're going to be cool and take the jokes, you know. Like, so it was fun to meet a lot of like-minded people. That's probably my favorite thing about the event, aside from hearing Karen speak, which she's hilarious, by the way. She's super funny. She's I very funny. A lot. It was like yeah. a comedy skit. Like I laughed a lot. Um, yeah. I was also trying really hard to make eye contact every chance I could. I sat on the end seat. I, well, I remember you said, you said, I feel like she's making eye contact with me. I was like, I feel like she's making eye contact with me. So don't feel like it's just you. No, there was a time we were weak. We connected. Well, I found myself like while she was talking, like at one point I was like leaning forward in my seat, like enthralled by every word that was coming out of her mouth. Like, mm-hmm. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. It was Mary, or mm-hmm. yeah, Mary Kay Andrews and Karen Slaughter. Apparently, they're old friends, mm-hmm. so it was like a sit down Q and A. And you know, Mary Kay Andrews kind of just like knew all the stuff to ask her. Um, and it was just, it was, anyways. I know we said it a billion times, but it was incredibly entertaining. It was a great event. Thanks again, Foxtail, if you're listening to yeah. us. Thanks again for putting on such a good, a good show for us all. Yeah. But we also, we did a bookstore hop that weekend. So this was both, the Karen Slaughter event was the reason we were all getting together, but it was also Sammy's birthday that weekend. I had had a weekend, a birthday the weekend before. So we um, turned into a full sisters weekend and we just did um, bookstore hops, which was clutch. Highly recommend going bookstore hopping and spending a whole day doing it. Plan to go to a patio and drink because that makes it 10 times better. So we hit a couple of places. We did um, – do you want to share names? We can say we traveled to it. Uh, well, well, we did. Yeah, we've already talked about it. <laughs> I'm like, wait, these people know how much fun we had. <laughs> you guys are like, please shut the fuck up about it. We saw. <laughs> <laughs> no, we went to um, – well, first, our first book hop was the library is what we did. Mm-hmm. They had a book sale there, and everything was either 50 cents or $1. Mm. And we racked the fuck up, like, racked oh, up. I think the you guys owe me money. Bucks. I don't. Whose book did I buy? Because nobody paid me the $12.50 for their stuff. It was me, and I won't be paying you. <laughs> we, we bought so many books, the guy had to use the wheelie cart and, like, helped us out. It's all of our stuff. Yeah, we had, it was like, this is my yeah. shelf. That's her shelf. Like, yeah, we went ham. Mm-hmm. No regrets. Has um, anyone read any of their uh, bookstore? I mean, the library sale books? Uh, no. Um, no, uh, I haven't. No, I haven't. No. Our next stop was Underground Books. And 
uh, what a freaking gem that place is. Like, it's very cool. Amazing, amazing little spot. Like, you walk down, you know, down into like a basement and it's just full of books and it's got the cutest little setups in there. Um, yeah, that's a real hidden gem of a spot. If you're in the West Georgia area, you definitely have to go check it out. Um, Stephanie showcasing a candle that they hand make there. Um, I grabbed one and showed it to This she. one is Book Club at the Coffee Shop. This is actually, Roseanne and I actually just went to, I happened to be in town the day that uh, Underground Books, Books was hosting a $1 book sale in our area. So we, Roseanne and I went there this weekend. It wasn't like, it wasn't like fiction books like we would have, you know, but we got a lot of cool stuff like, well, your definition of cool, but I got like encyclopedias and like these books that you wouldn't normally get. No, 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 no. I know there's no better way to explain them. Roseanne, help me. There's no better way. <laughs> I, I'll say, I, I wish that actually underground books would have did a disclaimer like, Hey, there's not a lot of fiction books. It was definitely a lot of like educational, medical, religious, like religion. Like it was very tight books like that. And so we get there and we're like looking around and I'm like, I found literally like one fiction book. And then Stephanie, you know, just, of course she finds random things, but then we're leaving and she sees these like old school encyclopedias. And I will say it was kind of cool because it had like the tabs, you know, on the side where you put your finger and it fits in a little groove. Mm -hmm. It was like that. And um, I mean, if she has a cool bookshelf, it would be cool to put on there because it looks nice and official yes and i will say i did get them out when i was unpacking and Bo was looking through them and he had fun flipping through the pages there's a couple of like you know when you look in the old school dictionaries there's like a little picture every now and again for one of the words and he would be like oh a lion and like he was flipping through and finding things he recognized so <laughs> yeah like a random random dick or something actually <laughs> no 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 i took a video and one of them was it the diversity code statue and it was a, it was you know the guy with a bunch of arms and the dick but was like what's that and i was like i don't know what's that <laughs> <laughs> um but anyways it was books that like you wouldn't have bought anywhere else unless they were at a dollar book sale i'm glad i have them a lot of cool stuff actually yeah. but i wouldn't have like bought that you know yeah does anybody remember um, the the book people that used to come around and sell books and mom would always buy them and she'd buy like yeah. the children's yeah. encyclopedia who has she'd get like a, a yearly membership and then like yeah it wouldn't get paid and then we get <laughs> <Yeah>. off <laughs> they can repo the books no i'm kidding <laughs> snatched them out of our hands you can cut that out but it was so true we always it was. no that reminds me of the helmets on layaway do you guys remember <laughs> yes Yes. I remember my sleeping mat from kindergarten when it was like super popular and I wanted one so bad. I was the only one that didn't have one. It was like, it was like the dopamine <laughs> rush, like that never got fulfilled. You know, it was like, you got excited, yeah. <laughs> picking it out, putting mm-hmm. it on layaway, but the new book bag that never you happened. You weren't getting it, bitch. <laughs> you weren't getting it. I am scarred for life from fucking layaway. I will tell you right now, like nothing is more there's a few things traumatic in my childhood but layaway is definitely one of them like just the sheer poorness of it and 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 honestly you know what i feel like terrence recently within the past five five or so years had mentioned something about layaway at walmart i was like what is that the same thing is that why you don't like walmart (laughs) 
I, I hate Walmart for a lot of reasons, but Walmart layaway is definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, a, a very sad moment in my childhood. Anytime I was picking out things and had to go put it on. Like, layaway. it's like you knew, like putting it on layaway, like it didn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't mean anything. It took a couple times before I realized that was a fact. Like the first time I was like, oh, like I did, I like, I forgot about it a little bit. The second time I was like, are we going to get it this time? And then the third time I knew it didn't matter what the fuck I put up there. It wasn't coming. We're all better for it now. Right? Sure. Well, that's sad. Hey, you know, <laughs> kind of like Will. Aw. You can relate to Will. The trash can, babe. Maybe. I'm actually, guys, can I tell you the fact that we get to talk about Will Trent tonight? Look, look at her. I'll Are leave you- a lot of the juicy details for you. Are you wearing um, underwear? Nope. Today? Yeah. Pants? Nope. <laughs> and I just tugged tequila, baby. I'm ready. I feel like we need to make sure your hands are visible during this entire. Can you segment, imagine? Or I'm going to call you. Can you, you imagine? Out. <laughs> no, no. Let's all imagine it. No, like. <laughs> Jesus, God. it's too much. Twenty-five seconds in, can we imagine Stephanie fingering herself to Will Trent? I can. I lived it. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we also went to. What's the other place we went to? Horton's. 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 Horton's Gifts and Books is the oldest bookstore in Georgia. Oldest bookstore in Georgia. And they had cats. I will go ahead and say that um, as soon as you walk in, you smell cat litter, which is an immediate turnoff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Horton, here's a who if you're listening to us. <laughs> if there's, if you could just go ahead and X out the cats or at least move the cat litter somewhere else. Yeah. That's not a good look for the bookstore. Like that was automatic, like down way, way down on my notch from that. Was it kitty litter we were smelling though? Because like cats just have a smell, I think. Well, and it's the oldest bookstore in Georgia, mm-hmm. right? Or like the in southeast Georgia. or something. So yeah. just keep in mind, it's been old. It's crusty. Like it's been around for a while. So I mean, I get it. It did have a, a an ammonia type smell to it for sure. But it was also just it's old. You know, it's old. It's damp. It's moist. It's moist. <laughs> You could also plug in so a I. plug-in and get rid of that stench. Ew. <laughs> Stephanie. I'm sorry. Stephanie. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm stopping. Not. I'm... No, do not. I'm stopping. I'm done. That was it. That was Absolutely the last not. one. I'm done. Doubt it. But I do okay. actually have a video of Roseanne's um, face as I'm like panning around the bookstore and her face is like. <laughs> when you see the video, you'll know what face I just made. Yeah, it was. It was not good. Yeah. Me Instead, no we went deeper. We went to the, the, the belly of the beast. <laughs> it was just hot and kids smelled like yeah. happy. Well, and that was a little awkward because there was like a like a third wheel like in the corner and then like yeah. <laughs> a date playing chess. Again, we came in hot. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you two spent a lot of time looking at the bookshelves for some reason. And I was ready to roll the second we walked down. Well, because they had good stuff, but I'm like, I'm not letting them make me feel awkward because I came here to look at books. So I was like, yeah. I'm not letting them. And I, I here, love so. making people uncomfortable. <laughs> we know. You're doing that to us now. <laughs> um, outside of those, we also, because it was Sammy's thing, Sammy's weekend, we decided to, well, I really wanted to be in a pool. We all did, but we didn't want to go in public in a pool. So I ordered a blow-up kitty pool 
had it shipped to Sammy's house where her husband was kind enough to blow it up and get it totally set up and ready to rock and roll for us. And we spent the rest of the afternoon and evening sitting in this shitty little kiddie pool, living our mm-hmm. best life. And it was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. It was great, actually. And I've actually used that same blow up pool two other times now and have myself oh, my a little pool party. <laughs> yes. Good. Yes. yes, I invited my family one time and no one showed up. They were home, but just didn't come into oh. the pool with you? No, they didn't. Yeah, I literally had, let me tell you, I had a tables. I had chairs set up. I had a table with a speaker on it. I put snacks out there. I had a cooler. We would have showed up. <laughs> we would have showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I sat by myself. That was the first time, the second pool party they came to, but the first one, nobody showed up. <laughs> they didn't up. know what it was going to be like yet. They didn't know. They didn't. You know. Exactly. They didn't know mm-hmm. I was going to get down. It was fun. <laughs> We took turns making tequila shots and bringing them out to everyone on a little tray. It was actually really nice. Oh, and Roseanne. <laughs> that was so great. You came down with a bucket of snacks. Well, so I told, I told Roseanne, I was like, hey, there's some dips and some celery upstairs in the house. So she goes in there. Okay, I'm going to get through this. Part. I can't stop laughing. It's just so funny. So she, she goes in there and... <laughs> Sorry. All right. She comes out and she's like swinging this bucket full of celery and she's got her dip and she's like chewing. So, you know, she's been eating them and she goes to sit down. She's like happy as could be with her snacks. And I look over and I'm like, Roseanne, she is eating the celery from the chicken bucket. So like when I, when I like cut off like pieces of celery or whatever, I put it in the chicken bucket and give it to the chickens. And I guess it looked, well, I just put some in there. It looked, I guess, decent enough for Roseanne to eat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It did. She was eating out of the scrap bucket. I opened the fridge and there was like, or no, it was just sitting on the counter. It was like this bucket yeah. was full of fresh cut celery. So she your sign. Well, no, I was like, sweet. Someone already cut it and put it in this nice little handy bucket. So I'm- <laughs> Here I go. And then I'm, I'm like mid-chew and Stephanie's like, or Samantha's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, eating celery. And she's like, that's the chicken bucket. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean? It's a chicken bucket. But she did. She's like, she well, that means like usually there's like scraps in there. And like, thankfully, this was a clean celery um, scrap bucket. Day. Barely. Thankfully. Barely. Thankfully. Did you look in the bucket? <laughs> Did you look in the I bucket? Did. She ate the celery off the top. I was like, did you see the celery yeah. off the top? How deep did it get? It's got like some poop particles. and <laughs> it's No, gross. I do rinse it, but I don't like clean all the time. But <laughs> All right. Are we ready to intro this long-awaited book? Before we kick off this episode, let's do a quick cheers to Karen Slaughter. Cheers. 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 We love you, Karen. Especially Stephanie. Five Finger Freddy. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, all right. Finally, we're introducing the book, guys. Episode seven is after that night by the infamous, the OG, the goat, Karen Slaughter. This is book number eleven in the Will Trent series, and I'm just going to read the book description from the book insert. So 15 years ago, Sarah Linton's life changed forever when a celebratory night out ended in a violent attack that tore her world apart. Since then, Sarah has remade her life. She's a a successful doctor, engaged to a man she loves. She has finally managed to leave the past behind her. Until one evening, 
On call in the ER, everything changes. Sarah battles to save a broken young woman named Danny Cooper, who's been brutally attacked. But as the investigation progresses, led by GBI Special Agent Will Trent, Stephanie's boyfriend, Mm. it becomes clear that Danny Cooper's assault is linked to Sarah's. This book opens three years earlier with Dr. Sarah Linton treating a young girl named Danny Cooper in the ER after a motor vehicle accident in front of the hospital. She made a dying declaration to Sarah that she had been raped. Fast forward three years, Sarah is in a courtroom testifying on behalf of Danny Cooper against the prime suspect, who happens to be the son of two doctors Sarah had known 15 years prior, Mac and Britt McAllister. The story kicks off when the mother of the accused, Britt, tells Sarah that her own attack 15 years earlier, where she was brutally raped and stabbed, is connected to the death of Danny Cooper. GBI Special Agent Will Trent, Sarah's fiancé and my book boyfriend, alongside his partner, Faith Mitchell, work with Sarah to conduct a down-low investigation into the connection. Eventually, they do uncover what can only be called a rape club. Um, I do want to do a quick trigger warning. I know we've already kind of said a couple of um, trigger words, and this book does strongly focus around sexual assault, rape, and violence against women. We just wanted to put it out there. We are going to be talking about all of those subjects. And real quick, a little bit about Karen Slaughter, as if she needs an introduction. (laughs) If you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't know who she is, then well, why are you here? Um, So Karen Slaughter, she has at this point, this is book number 24. Is that correct? Um, She's amazing, guys. If you, if you seriously, please pick up one of her books. If you have not read this yet before you start listening, I, we highly recommend that you do. It's just, it's so good. Um, a little thing about her, one of one of my favorite things about reading her books is she, all of them are based here in Atlanta. So for a lot of us who are, um, you know, people who are here, this is where we're from. We've grown up all around the town here. The, I love reading every story because you can kind of visualize each of the different mm-hmm. locations or the types of people that are mentioned in some of the books. You, It's just real easy to visualize it because you're familiar with it. She's one of the only authors that focuses strictly on the Atlanta area in every one of her settings. Um, which I think is amazing. Um, <clears throat> she herself is an Atlanta native, so she still lives here. She went to Georgia State. Um, she does all of her writings up in the mountains of North Georgia. She has a cabin up there, and when she wants to write, she disappears for a couple weeks, writes a whole bunch, comes back and visits for a little bit, and then disappears again. That's kind of how she structures her books, which I think is kind of funny and silly. She said she writes her books in about 10 months to a year, which is freaking amazing we i think we stopped writing absolutely our book not. absolutely not <laughs> i think at this point only one of yeah, us is writing worry, full steam ahead Twelve thousand words in but yeah y'all rest i just so anyway i just think it's absolutely incredible to be able to punch out one of her books in that short period of time because they take a lot of research a lot of details inside of them she has um friends obviously that work for the gbi which has been instrumental i think in a lot of her backgrounds of her, of her, specifically the Will Trent series um, and the Grant County series, which go together if you have not read those. Um, that's all of her stuff. But um, anyway, I think we all just love her. She's quirky. There's not a whole lot of personal information about her, um, which I think is a good thing. It lets you kind of make up your own story of who you think the woman behind these stories is. Um, 
But like we mentioned earlier, she is very funny mm-hmm. in person in a way that I don't think any of us expected. Um, and I think some of that speaks out in some of her writing. So now that you've kind of, I've seen her in person and heard her and listened to her react to stuff, you can pick up on that in some of her books, which is pretty mm-hmm. great. She has a great sense of humor. And we do know about her that she has a sister, which I think is kind of sweet because a lot of her st- her books, even particularly this one, there's a sister relationship in there that I think is cute. And she probably pulls on her own relationship with her sister, um, or at least just that, you know, the tightness that you just inevitably kind of get with a sister. Um but yeah, not a lot of private information out there. Out there, we know she loves cats. We know mm-hmm. that she's a big yeah, cat lady. Cat lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do have. I will be posting a picture um, in honor of Karen Slaughter. I notated this book with cat sticky notes. <laughs> These are little paws sticking up over the wow. pages. They're little paws. Oh, hey, oh, hey that's really cute. <laughs> it's so cute, um, actually. I want to high five. Right. I feel like you need to send her mm-hmm. that so she sees I will. that. Yeah. Um, do I have any other cats in here? No, not really. Like Vanessa mentioned, there's the Grant County series, which follows Sarah and her husband, um, her first husband, I'll say, who was the police, police chief in the South Georgia town they lived in. There are six books in that series. And Karen Slaughter did say during her book talk that by book four of the Grant County series, she had already mapped out the Will Trent series in terms of the relationships that would unfold. Um, And then she did write the Will Trent series. This is the 11th book in that series. It follows Will, his partner Faith, and their boss Amanda. And then they have, uh, she has standalone books and a lot of them. Um, Pretty Girls, which is our collective favorite book, does have a prequel novella short story called Blonde Hair, Blue Eyes, which sounds like the exact description of what you don't want to look like in Karen Slaughter's world. Um, (laughs) Because you're going to get stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess we can talk about real quick, though, while we're talking about the the interviews is why, why she wrote this book, because that was actually I think I don't know if that was somebody's question about like, how did you know, why did you I don't know, why did you include some of the things you did, whatever. Um, and I remember her her response was, you know, basically that as an author, you're you're keenly aware of everything going on in the world right now. Um, and a lot of things she does talk about this book, we mentioned it many times, it is it is rape heavy. Um, and she talks about statistics about rape and things like that. It is how prevalent it is and how it's so difficult for women to be heard. And, and a, a big part of it, too, when you know that this is why she's writing it, is the different perspectives of people who go through trauma of being sexually assaulted. Um, and that's a big part of it, is that some people handle it very well and they just put their lives back together. Some people fall apart. Some people are angry. Um, and she really does a good job of kind of exploring, you know, the aspects of how just, you know, no one... No one handles it perfectly. There is no perfect way to handle sexual assault. Um, you know, everybody handles it differently, and it's all about how how you get through it yourself. So it just puts the book in perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which is it's it's, it's important to know that because, like she said, the book is is just it's a I mean, it's a rape club. That's the premise of this book, so it's heavy. Um, not nearly as descriptive, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say that because if other people have read other parts of her other books, they've read some of the really gory things she's written. Um, I wouldn't say that this book was on par with any of that. I think she did this very tastefully no. in terms of the point of her story was on the focus on what your life looks like rebuilding after that night. And so she didn't, the book was not nearly as graphic as some of her other ones, but the content, you know, it just was heavy. So there's that little warning out there if you haven't read it, or if you did, we acknowledge, we know, we're about to talk about it some more, but you know, we, we know it's a little bit heavy. Shall we dive into the characters? 
Yeah. So what I'm going to do first is we're going to focus on really the four main characters that the series covers. We're going to start with them and then we'll get into some of the new characters introduced it in after that night. Um, so the first character, um, and Lord knows Stephanie's going to dig way deep mm. into this guy, but it is Mr. Will Trent. <laughs> um, so he is a special agent with the GBI. Um, we, we hinted on this. He did grow up in the foster care system after being discarded in a trash can as a baby. Um, in fact, I think there's some, wait, maybe that's the show. I'm going to get mixed up on the show and the book, but, but he's called a trash can baby. <laughs> um, <clears throat> He endured physical trauma as a foster child. Um, he does have numerous scars and, and so forth. Um, he's tall, very tall, 6'3". And this is the book description, not the ABC version of him. He is a very tall 6'3", um, with dirty blonde hair, often goes undercover with militia-type groups. Um, in fact, I've got some questions about that undercover stint he does at the beginning. Um, he wears three-piece suits. It's kind of a signature thing that he's always he's always dressed to the nines. And he is dyslexic. Um, that's something that you kind of do see throughout this book and in previous books, um, that it does make it difficult for him sometimes to, to be involved in, in um, some of the um, paperwork aspects of the job. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Administrative <laughs> duties of the yeah. job. <laughs> I was like, hey, that sounds, maybe I'm going to pretend like I have <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> Let's all do it. Right? Um, <laughs> Um, next, we're going to get into Faith, Faith Mitchell. Um, so she is Will Trent's partner in the G- GBI. Um, and, and you'll know this immediately when you start listening to her in the book. She is feisty as all get out. Um, she takes her. no shit and talks She's back a lot. Yeah, she honestly, she she really was one of my favorites in this yeah. book, too. Um Let's see. She's tall, blonde is the way the book describes her. She's a single mom of a son and daughter. So you just know she's got that feistiness in her. Feistiness in her. Um, she was kind of born into the police force. Her mother was a police officer for 35 years and was forced to retire after an investigation that her partner, Will Trent, which you'll see some of those dynamics in this book, um, her partner, Will Trent, um, he investigated, which led to her mother um, basically being, what, exited from the, the GBI? No, that was she in did a previous she did, book. She retired, from the essentially. She, she retired. She retired. <laughs> okay, before. Honorable <clears throat> discharge. Yeah, something like I that. See. Yeah. Um, but Will Trent did instigate that. So there is some of those dynamics in the book that you'll you'll kind of hear. Um, she also got pregnant as a teenager with her son, Jeremy, which he actually plays mm-hmm. a part in this book, which I don't remember him being very much in other books. So next we're going to talk about Sarah Linton, which is Dr. Sarah Linton. Um, she is both a board-certified pediatrician and a board-certified medical examiner. Um, she's currently the GPI's medical examiner. I believe that's how she actually meets Will, is, is while she's, she's helping him with an investigation. Um, she investigates all deaths suspected of foul play. Um, and previously, before she um, got into that career, she was um, she owned a pediatrician practice in South Georgia. Um, the way she's described in the book, she's auburn, curly hair, described as very beautiful, long, lean. Um, in the book, she is engaged to Will. They're getting married in a month, which, you know, for you guys who have been like Stephanie, anxiously awaiting them getting together, it was it was good to see them get together in this book. Um, important to note for this book is that um, they talk about the night before um, Sarah was going to be um, potentially announced for this fellowship when she was in medical school. Um, she was brutally attacked and raped while she was on call at the hospital. And this was 15 years ago. Um, she was attacked by the head janitor. He stabbed her, left her for dead. Um, he was convicted and went to prison. Um, after that attack, though, Sarah did have a, and let me make sure I say this right, ectopic excuse me, ectopic pregnancy um, that eventually led to her uterus being removed. Um, because of that, she cannot have children. Um, so you do see that come up in the book quite often because 
she very, very much wanted to be a mother. And this was just a really unfortunate event. And just again, one of the after effects of, mm-hmm. of you know, people going through sexual assault. Um, the last one we'll get into before we get into the new characters in this book is Amanda. She's the director of the GBI. She is also Will and Faith's boss. Um, she's also a ball buster. She joined the Atlanta Police Department in 1975, back when women were basically not really a part of the force and it was kind of looked down on. Um, she is now the deputy director of the GBI. Um, and she um, actually, the way that the Will got into the GBI is she kind of found him and, and brought him up from the streets and uh, leaded him into being in the GBI. So they really have a special place in each other's hearts. Um, and then she also happened to work with Faith's mother in the Atlanta police department for many years. Um, so they just have a lot of um, background with Amanda. Can I help you, Roseanne? What do you need? Can you? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Cause I just read the last part of the description and I think I need you to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Where where Will mentions his uh, that part. Who wrote I, I that? Need you to read. We know it was Stephanie. She's, she's right. the closest thing Will has to a mother. Yes, she is the closest thing that Will has to a mother. We're talking about Amanda, and this is in regards to, to Will. Uh, she's hard as hell on him. At one point in this book, Will mentions he forgets how small she is that she could practically fit in his pocket if he was the type of man to put a live scorpion in his pocket. <laughs> I just, I really appreciated all these little gems throughout this yes. book. Like there's these hilarious little one-liners through the whole book and there's a lot of them and I, I captured a few, but I, I forgot about this one. So thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was dying yeah. laughing. I think we all might have like a favorite part in this book, like a little snippet of what, I mean, we all, look at how nerdy we all are. We all have like a little, little Our notes. Notes. I just got <laughs> our notes. There was one, I, there was a part um, where Will was walking behind Amanda and Faith, and he says uh, that he lets Faith go ahead of him because Amanda doesn't like it when he casts a shadow over her while walking, so he stays very far back <laughs> so as not to cast shadow. <laughs> and then in that same um, part of the story, um, they were walking to his to her office, and she was like texting on her phone while she was clanking her heels down the hallway, and he was like, "She has to. Uh, she cannot make any moves without alerting her coven." <laughs> See, that's the funny stuff that, like, I think she's like that in real life, too. So I think it's great that I feel like I I heard a lot of her in Amanda and parts, like some of her little snippet things she said during her interview. That's who I think some of her personality came out of. I think Faith was hilarious in this one. Like, I Mm -hmm. liked Faith's grit from the other ones. But this one, she was like, I just loved how hard ass she was. And I think my favorite part was when she was like with her new, her new boo, her new guy. And he was cooking her food and her kid came in. She had to like quickly shove him out the door. So his, her kid didn't know he, she had been sitting around all day with him. And she said, um, she patted down her hair, praying she didn't look like she had spent her evening like a queen being fucked and eating pasta. <laughs> and nice. I just want to be her. <laughs> nice. That does sound amazing. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> hmm. While we're doing this, I have a couple more. Go shall for we? it. Don't steal mine. What's yours? You say yours then, and I won't steal it. <laughs> All right, real quick. So, <laughs> so is, this is when this is whenever they were meeting with Leo when they were about to meet one of the rape victims, which we'll get into. And it says Leo looked at Will like he has spotted a festering sore on another guy's ball sack. <laughs> that one. Yes, I had the one. She, she called him Hodor later. She's like, "Why are you so huge? You're Hodor." Yeah. 
yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Uh, so many good, good ones. Um, I have one where Will saw a receipt for a pair of Sarah's pair of shoes and said he felt like an electric cattle prod was pressed against his testicles when he saw the price <laughs> of the shoes. And then um, another one, it was just a little tiny bird. She was like, we could hear a leaf blower, which is the unofficial bird of Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's true. There's always a leaf, bird, leaf blower going around somewhere. <laughs> okay. So are we going into the other characters or are we moving back into anyone else? Let's see what's going to the new. What are we feeling? Let's go to the new. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with the um, sexual assault victims is what we'll call them. Um, and there is, you know, as you guys, have, if you read this book, there ends up being m- many more than they actually talk about in this book, but they really just focus on three that we'll dig into, um, which is Danny Cooper, which is the one at the beginning of the book that, that kind of brings back this, this flooding memory to Sarah about her rape and starts tying everything together. Sorry, excuse me. Um, starts tying everything together. Danny Cooper is the girlfriend of Tommy, which is Max's son, which will introduce some of these other characters as well. Um, she shows up at the hospital crashing Tommy's vehicle. Um, she does, does end up dying from being drugged, raped, and beaten. Uh, Merritt Barrow, um, I guess she was the earliest victim, actually. She was, she was um, let's see, she was what, raped back when Sarah was? Or was this? She was. Yeah, back it was around the same time, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. She's young, attractive. Um, she was also drugged and raped and ended up dying from a, <laughs> you guys got me good on this one. <laughs> so I, in my defense, the, uh, the, um, I listened to the audio version. Okay. And it sounds like grandma, like grandma, like, like old lady grandma, but it's actually grandma, I guess, grandma. <laughs> seizure which is basically where your entire body like seizes up is what it sounds like but she died that way um unfortunately died from a seizure on the floor in the bathroom of the hospital um and then we've got leanne um who is um honestly she's your typical 21 year old girl just trying to go out and have fun um and she also ends up being one of the um sexual assault victims she's the only one to survive though so she does get to tell her story about what happened at least as much as she can remember um and actually ends up giving them some clues that that helped them solve the crime well actually so, so props it, to you, it wasn't Leanne. that she was the only one to survive others survived she was the present day attack that she right, was in present yeah. day Correct. during this story because it flashes back earlier to you know so three years and 15 years back um but in present day so so it's no secret obviously these were all victims of this rape club it was still operating both 15 years ago and in present day as they were trying to um uncover it now and leanne was a she did survive but um yeah she was a. If i think in the end there ended up being at quick glance about 50 victims throughout this period of time mm-hmm. yeah speaking of rape club um yeah speaking of the, the rape club members um so, so this, this, <clears throat> it's like this Tennessee fire is like giving me like a, so weird that the Tennessee fire would be affecting you negatively. That's <laughs> just doing a weird thing. Acid reflux. I'm so sorry. It is, it is a little mucus film. All right. So uh, next let's talk about the rape club members. Um, this is not a, a mm-hmm. term that we coined. This is actually coined by faith in the book, I believe. Right. When they were building their crazy mm-hmm. connected wall. 
Um, and that's what you realize too throughout this book is that they the whole the whole time they're trying to tie connections between those three earlier sexual assaults we talked about between Danny, Sarah, I guess four, Danny, Sarah, Leanne, and, and Merritt. Um, there is somewhere a connection along the line in each of those, and that's what they're they're trying to solve. Can I um, say real quick, the wall yeah. reminds me of your popcorn demonstration for those of you that may have mm-hmm. listened to our earlier mm-hmm. podcasts and Samantha needed to mm-hmm. determine the time of her popcorn mm-hmm. cooking skills. That is the mapped out vision. I want you guys to all think about that. (laughs) Um, In fact, I'm not going to lie, guys. At one point when I was trying to envision the different rape club members and the different numbers they represented in the (laughs) chat that they have together, I was going to make a wall so that I could keep up with who was who. Because it was difficult. (laughs) Like, I was like, Cam is this guy. Like, you know, good. (laughs) So I almost did make a crazy connected wall. But they literally go step by step and talk through their entire thought process in the book. It's not nearly um, as fun. So you don't have to make your own crazy wall. I know, but I would wanted to just so I could visualize it. Okay. Okay. Yes. I, yes, I'm, I'm sad you didn't do it so that we could have taken a picture. In fact, There's I hope time. that we do still and do as if you know you There's know. still time. <laughs> Um, so the rape club members, and you guys are going to have to help me with some of the background on all these, um, important to note is that all of this is as usual, it's set around a medical theme with Sarah, but all of this is really set from people who went to medical school together. Um, so you'll notice that's a big theme with a lot of these characters. All of the rape club members have a medical background. Um, so we've got Mac who is Tommy's father. He is referred to as the master of the rape club. Uh, he's a cardiac surgeon, so he's kind of like the the leader of them all. He has the most prestigious job, um, you know, millionaire. He is a control uh, control freak and honestly a sick motherfucker, as we'll get into with the things he does. Um, we've got Cameron. So I'm unclear with Cameron's rape club member status because I don't know if they became like an official rape club after he shot himself or while he was still around. While he was still around. Um, they did. Okay. It, all right. Yeah. So maybe he was a part of it. He was a full-on um, part of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what what really pulled the trigger for Cameron, he ends up committing suicide, um, was the, the Merritt Barrow incident. Apparently she was one of their victims, the rape club member's victims. He happens to be the attending physician on call when she shows up at the hospital. Um, and it just really throws him for a tizzy. He's like, oh my God, this is what we're doing to women. Finally realizes that he's a horrible person um, and ends up just tail spinning from there. So he is he is a member of the rape club, but does end up killing himself before, um, you know, they, they get, until um, mm-hmm. they find out that's who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richie. So Richie, I, I remember he was the bow tie guy. I do not remember what he, he did. Um, that's pretty much it. He yeah. Was bow tie he, was, guy. he was a weirdo. He was yeah. the one who would watch his patients um, through the, that's right. Through he a was whole the he was the whole guy. He was yeah. the watcher. Yes. Everybody guy, yeah. had like a thing. Like Mac was the master. Richie was the watcher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy is Mac's son. So he is the newest member of the, the rape club. Um, he gets his feet wet with Danny um, and then decides to go on and do that with Leanne. So he's actually the one who kind of uh, pursues those two girls as the newest member. Um, also, obviously a sick motherfucker, but also in the medical field. I'm like, why are all these smart people doing just such horrible things? Like, I don't, I don't get it. A sense of power, I think. <laughs> I guess so. Um, we've got Chaz, which I'll be honest, I can't remember who Chaz, what his exact career path was. He was also in the medical field. Um, and I don't remember what his passion was. Was he the videoer or was he, what was he? Was he the tracker? Well, they, they flipped through it all the, all the different roles, you know, nobody, nobody they rotated. Stayed in one position. The they rotated. Yeah. That was, that was yeah, how the yeah. club operated. Yeah. So all these people yeah. she mentioned, they would alternate being the person who in the rape club didn't just rape. They stalked and harassed for a right. period of time. So well, we can get mm-hmm. into that in a little bit, but everyone kind of floated through positions. Exactly. 
Um, I did take Mason out of the rape club because he, I guess he was technically in the group chats, but he never actually took, took part in the rapings. Um, Mason was a former medical schoolmate as well. Sarah's ex-boyfriend. So he does come up in the book. Um, I really wanted to see who you were going to pick for this guy, Rosie. Like, can you just real quick, like find me a really hot plastic surgeon guy? (laughs) Oh, wait, are you talking about Mason? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't pick anybody? (laughs) Get on it. I didn't pick anybody for Mason, but I could find, I have a hot douche, yeah, a resident hot douche. If you pick no. Theo, <laughs> Theo James. Yeah, I've always, he would be perfect. He would be perfect. All right, Damon, it's Theo James. All right. I got a resident <laughs> hot douche on standby at all times. <laughs> um, and then the last, um, Rape Club member, which is the, the the spoiler, which we'll obviously dig into it more, is Britt, who is the only female of the Rape Club member mm-hmm. and actually plays a very active role in the Rape Club, which is which is again the big surprise in this whole book because the whole time they're referring to this whole this whole person or is a he he he. That's all you hear the whole time. So um, again, just a, a good good twist from Karen on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Britt is a former medical schoolmate of Sarah as well. She is the one that's married to Mac, who is the master of the Rape Club. Um, and also mom to Tommy, who is the newest member of the Rape Club. I feel like I'm talking about, um, <laughs> what was that motorcycle show we used to watch? Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy yeah. <laughs> the newest member, yeah. Um, she also, the crazy part about Brit is that, you know, before she got sucked into Max World, she was an accomplished obstetrician. Did I get their OB Jen? Is that what she did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, obstetrician. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gave up practicing just to support her husband's career, which is just, you know, crazy for, for me to think about somebody who has that much potential going for her. In fact, um, Sarah gives her props for going to, to medical school pregnant and still graduating at like the top of her class. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, just a very sharp lady had a great you know career going for her. And then she meets Mac and, and decides she's going to help them organize the rape club more efficiently so that they can get more things done in a more efficient pattern. Yeah. She made the spreadsheet for the rotations. Yes. Yeah. Very Gaylene Maxwell of her. You know what? I thought the same thing. That's all I kept thinking about. I did too. I had the same thing. When I, I actually, I remember the moment that I, that it dawned on me that she was somehow a part of the equation Mm. because I took my headphones on. I looked at Baron and I was like, she's a fucking Gaylene Maxwell. And he was like, what are you talking about? And Mm -hmm. I like, I, it just immediately dawned and I was like, man, so good. Mm -hmm. It's good. So, well, are we okay to get into a theory then? Because she already said some of hers. Oh, like, shit. Sorry, know. guys. Did anyone else even have that thought? I, I didn't have that thought at all. Oh, no. Suspected that Britt was in on it? I had no I clue. did not. I did not. Sometimes I feel like, Vanessa, you say that you knew it after when you found out. <laughs> Ask Ben. Ask Ben. I hadn't even I, – I was listening to it with him in the car, and I had my headphones in, and I ripped him out, and I said, I know what's going to happen. I was like, it's freaking whatever. And I had him put it on and listen to it with me. I'm not lying. I thought she knew what was happening, but I didn't think she did it. Or she I didn't think she was she the was. organizer, yeah. but I knew she yeah. was involved. I didn't yeah. think she was the mm. organizer, but I definitely knew she was fully aware. She was like in on it, and I thought she was getting the girls in. I didn't think she was the organizer. Did you think she I was in she the was chats? The girl. You, did you yes. think she was in the chat room? You did? I did, but I didn't think that she was an active member. I thought she was one of the quieter ones. I didn't realize okay. that she was like the number two. I actually thought Mason was the number two and he was hiding it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see her being that. I thought Mason wasn't creeper. Yeah. And he was a nasty part of it. Yeah. 
That's what but I, I didn't too. see Brit coming at all. Not at all. Mm. I, I, her level of involvement, I did not see coming. That um, I didn't see either. Correct. Yeah, that's true. I didn't either. That's mm-hmm. what, what threw me off. Because she, because she was involved in the rape club, and come to find out, she is the one who beat Danny Cooper when she was trying to escape after being raped by her son. The drugs were off. Danny got away from them, and she chased her into the garage, beat her with a tennis racket, caused the injuries that ended up killing her. Um, she got in her son's car, drove to the hospital, dies with Sarah. But yes, she was a full-on member. Full-on member. In fact, we find out at the end that she had – it was a, there was a closet. Her closet. Her hers. closet was dedicated. There was a secret room to get into through her closet – that was the room where the rapes would occur. There was viewing stations where you could watch. Mm-hmm. There was a camcorder. And inside this closet, which was painted in pink, it's just so fucked up. Because we also, we have to talk about the other twist of how the girls were selected to kind of drive home how messed up this is. But the closet was painted in like a, a light, pretty pink color. And there was racks of shoes. And what the rape club would do was keep the left shoe of every victim. And they showcase them there in that closet. And there was, um, at the end when Sarah's in the room with her, looks around and, and counted at least 50 shoes. Um, so at least 50 victims of this club. The rape club didn't do that. Britt did that. Britt collected the shoes. Those were her trophies. Those were her yeah. women that she brought in. Those were, that was her trophy. She was like, this is mine, is what she was trying to say at the end there, which was probably the most, that was extra disturbing. And then was she not the one that was responsible for Sarah as well? She was. So she mm-hmm. even went that she far was. to do that to another. So this is before rape. Well, rape club was a thing, I guess, or starting to be a thing at the time. It was. And she did that to Sarah before any of these other things came into play. She's the one that kind of set up the trap and convinced the janitor to do what he did to Sarah. Even told him how, basically. Um, she- now, is she is she raped in a previous book or is it only talked about in this book? Like, is that Who, whole Sarah? story talked about in pre- – yeah, Sarah. So, like, is that mm-hmm. talked about in pre- It's mentioned, okay. but they don't ever okay. go into detail. No. Yeah. Okay, so this is the first time you fully understand what actually happened, Correct. so it really solves that mystery. Okay. Yeah, you're okay. told there was an assault at the hospital books. when she worked in Green. Okay. You're told she went back to South Georgia. You're told all that. You're told she can't have yeah. children. But this is the first okay. book, I think, where we got the really good details about it. Um, okay. And, and, and what Britt did was Mac – Mac, her husband, and Sarah were up for the same fellowship program, which was some pedio, 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 <laughs> pediatric cardio surgeon, something big, like, you know, little baby hearts. That was what Mac did. He ended up, he was, he operated on infants' hearts. Um, and he ended up getting, uh, well, he ends up getting the fellowship because his wife, Britt, encouraged this attack on Sarah to get her out of the running, basically. She wanted her to be assaulted so she would not want to take this fellowship so her husband would get it. That was why Britt orchestrated the whole rape of Sarah Linton. How she did it was like she locked other bathrooms so that Sarah had only one choice to go into one. She locked mm-hmm. the other stalls inside that only bathroom that was open, locked the other doors heading out of the building so no one could like come into when it was taking place, and then told mm-hmm. the guy exactly where to go find her. Like that's a level of – that's more than just convincing somebody. That is deep messed up stuff right there no i don't think she locked the doors but the janitor did it because he knew how to how to close her in so the janitor because he knows every because they talk about that in the book is that the janitor knows every entry every exit so he actually closed her off like a mouse he did that she did that i thought she was confessing to doing all of that and then told him where to find her um no am i I saying that wrong 
Yeah, well, I just listened to it again, like that part today. Hmm. Yeah, good with that. I did, I did too. But Sammy, I, I was under the impression that Brit was a lot more like physically it was all involved. Brit. She was involved. Yeah. She definitely told him, well, like she got him all fired up and said, she "Hey, drug, like, she drugged is- Sarah. She's the one who put it in that. her cut and her drink." Yeah. She I think she did all of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. Ex- she didn't expect her him to stab her or things like that. Her to get that pregnant. Was, like, the handcuffs. That was a different thing too. Her nope. to get pregnant. Those were nope. She put the, the handcuffs. handcuffs she, oh, she put the handcuffs mm-hmm. in the locker. Yeah, she put. Oh, that's so, right. So, in the locker. Yeah, that's right. Britt yeah. Brit put the handcuffs in his locker. She helped him cordon off the bathrooms. I mean, she really did. She helped orchestrate she the really whole thing. Really did orchestrate it. it. She was like, "It's person. amazing when you can talk him. You know, you wouldn't believe what you can talk a man into who's already on that path." Like she basically just, you know, um, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Britt was something else. She was vicious. Yes. Yeah. She was really vicious like i just don't even know how you're like that angry and hateful all the time i have i have so many quotes from her that i just loved because <laughs> they were so fucked up no, let's hear no, it let's go. go well i liked it when she talked shit about the men which i thought was interesting about brit because she why am i in the dark <laughs> you look like one of those anonymous like story <laughs> I don't know. It just happened. Hiding their identity. <laughs> um, anyway, I liked it when she talked shit about men. That was my, because she was just as gruesome to them as she was to like females. And I love it when she talks about how women are like tampons. Oh. We soak up the rage and abuse. And, and when we get soiled by their slime, they change us out for a brand new one. You I loved that? that. You well, loved no, that? I just liked, well, I don't love it. I just liked the way that it was like. I mean, a lot of women feel this way about some of the stuff, and it's just that Brit was crude enough to speak it out loud. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brit was really. I mean, do we want to talk about the abuse she endured a little bit, or do we want to? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Is there any more plot twists or our theories? I actually had a couple more theories before we jump into Brit. I had some theories. Okay. So I was. I had thought um, around the time that. So you're led to believe when the book first starts and they're after the courtroom, uh, you know, Britt says what she says to Sarah in the bathroom, basically that Danny Cooper, it's all connected. Don't you know? Blah, blah, blah. I I thought for sure Mac had been the one to rape her. It was only after you got into the book and she says, I know who raped me that I was like, oh, well, that theory is out the window. But I feel like in the beginning you were set up to believe that Mac had somehow, you know, raped Sarah. Um, Yeah. And then another theory I had was, as the book was going on, after we find out that Cam, one of the members of the rape club, had raped Sloan, who was another medical um, student at the time. She was a female. And when they had first gotten to law, uh, medical school, Cam had taken Sloan out on a date. And they're actually having consensual, casual sex after their date. But he turns it into a violent rape. And is actually surprised later when she tells him several days later, when she's like, I don't want to see you, like you assaulted me. He is actually shocked to hear that from her yeah. that he was raped, which was, it was, it was interesting. It was like, he was so, um, so my theory based on that was that Cam was like the group rapist. So at that point I didn't know that they were rotating through and I was like, Oh, Cam's a rapist. He's got ropes on his bed. Like this is what he does. Like, you know, she said his movements were so smooth, how quickly he flipped her got her arms in the ropes, like this was what he did. Um, come to find out he was, you know, they were rotating through the different positions and they all held the rape, you know, that was what, a role they all held. Um, but I thought that Cam was the the 
the rapist and that Tommy was stepping in to fill his shoes. Like I thought, because I think Britt made a comment about Mac being impotent at one point. You know, she's kind of set the mm-hmm. stage that he wasn't involved. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought that they brought Tommy in as like the like the guy. Like I thought I knew everyone had a role. I didn't realize they rotated through it. And I thought Tommy was the next like cam taking place of as a teen rapist. Um, it was even more messed up than that. that they just rotated. <laughs> they just rotated yeah. through this. It's it's pretty messed up. And they did it. They thought they were so slick. Like it was intentional to, in case one of them got caught, they had plausible deniability about different parts mm-hmm. of it. Um, well, I wanted to say real quick when I was listening back to it early on, um, when Will and Sarah are just like spitballing and talking about this, he was like, say the crazy part out loud. Mm-hmm. What if Mac bribed the janitor to rape you so Mac would get the fellowship or Matt or Britt bribed him herself? So it's like, he kind of called it right away. And Sarah was like, well, where's the money? Like, you know, he would have, there would have been a money trail somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Will and all his dyslexic glory called that one literally right off the bat, you know, didn't know how it all worked out, but he already knew. Something was up with that, I feel like. He's so good. He's he so, he is so, so good. good, isn't he? He's so good. <laughs> when I listened back, I was like, damn, this was chapter five. Like, like yeah. Yeah, at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, no, no, no. Let's write 15 more chapters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Let's work through the crazy wall. <laughs> I feel like Karen Slaughter's writing, you're like, she like leads you on the ride. You're just along for the that journey. Is- like she mm-hmm. takes you where she wants you to go. She you're you're led to yeah. believe Mac did it. You're led to believe they couldn't have been involved in in Sarah's like it, she takes you on the whole road um, and you just have to enjoy. You're just along for the ride. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I did um, highlight the little blurb where the guys are, the rape clubs in the group chat talking about how they do it. Mm-hmm. So what they say is, what positions do we fill? Master and slaver. And then one guy's like, fuck sakes, do we have to sound like a bunch of racist? And then someone's like, well, it's important to maintain political correctness when we're talking about stalking, harassing, abducting, drugging, and raping young women. Um, And someone's like, so those are the positions. And they're like, yeah, rotate in and out. The bench can watch. Um, Yeah. And then they'll send out, they'll send out the next schedule when they have the details. So that's literally what they did. Someone stalked, someone harassed, someone abducted, someone drugged, someone raped, someone watched, and then they all watched the footage and critiqued each other afterwards. Like some mm-hmm. sick fucks. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, a a passage on in towards the end of the book where the FBI or the GBI does something where they, they say what we think, what we know, what we can prove, and that's how they map out a case yeah. and what they have. And there was a part... Um, they explained it a little bit, a little bit deeper. It's uh, what they thought happened was that Mac, Mac, Mac McAllister, Chaz Penley, Richie Duggle, and maybe two or three others has spent the last 16 years targeting women to rape. They split up the work so that no single person connects to a particular victim. One guy stalks her. One guy sends threatening text messages. Maybe a different guy drugs her. A different guy transports her. A different guy, we think they call him the master, rapes her. They rotate the tasks so no one person is exposed no one person is more exposed than the others. It's like a splinter cell. That's how they've gotten away with it for so long. You have to put them on together in order to trace the crime. And they, the women they targeted, the most, one of the most fucked up parts of this book, the girls were patients of Mac McAllister when they were infants. 
He would work on their hearts. He would save them and they would come in for yearly visits and he would wait and watch them as their doctor until they were in their early twenties. They would live on this list of potential rape victims based on how they looked, I guess, <laughs> if he found as them a child, attractive, as they, as, as a child. and as they, as they grew like, Hmm, you know what? You might, sure. They had this whole list of, of children watching as they grew until they were old enough to, and in their opinion, it was early twenties. That's what they liked. Um, that was, it was a, that was to me one of the most mm-hmm. fucked up parts of it, that he just tracked these girls their entire lives. And if you really think about that, like the parents, so thankful to this doctor for saving their daughter's lives. And every year they just think he is a God and they're, you know, they go back for the checkup and they're so enamored and he's just biding his time to assault their daughter. So messed up. All of these doctors, these are all medical professionals. These are all doctors of all different varying types, ER doctors, general, plastic surgeon, like they were all, you know, everywhere just biding their time. And, and when we talk about like the threatening text messages, it wasn't just like, I'm going to get you. It was, it was, they were trying to fuck with their minds Mm -hmm. and literally scare them. Like, and that's the the worst part too. So not only were they sexually assaulting them and like bad, like we do, we don't get a ton of the details of what they did, but we know that they, Mm -hmm. there was, there was, it was violent raping, you know? Um, What is it, Rosie? What is that jingling? A bell. (laughs) Oh, it's it's Daisy. Sorry. It's Daisy. Samantha's looking at Roseanne. What is it? I know. Look at your face. I'm like, I can't even get through it. I'm just like, is someone got a fucking cat? Let me take a stupid collar on. It's Daisy. Don't be mean to her. Oh, Daisy, I love you. I know, right? She's so cute. My dog's also Um, out of the room. Actually, my dog's in the cage because she ate cheese off my charcuterie plate. Oh, she gets lonely. Um, Where was I, guys? Where was I? Sorry. Oh, the threatening messages. Yes. Yeah, so the, it wasn't, you know, the threatening messages were, the premise was that they were literally trying to scare the crap out of these girls. And I don't know if they were just trying to get them into a vulnerable, excuse me, vulnerable position. Like, I don't know who, like, why that was what they did, but it was like, they got off on that too. It was just literally scaring the crap out of these girls. Um, in fact, with Leanne, she um, she was getting messages. She One time she got drunk and passed out at a party. And we find out later it was Britt who shows up at that party because she it was her job to stalk at that point. And she decides she's really going to mess with her. And she drew a circle on the back of this girl's leg. She's passed out drunk. And then later decides we're going to text her and fuck with her about it and tell her to go look at the back of her leg. Um, so just like they really thought out their their attacks and really took like immense pleasure and joy in trying to think of the most messed up things they could do to these girls. Um, mm-hmm. Who's the girl crazy. that they they wrote that's me on her, on her breast? Yeah. That was, yeah. Leanne. was that Leanne? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh-huh. The things that they did, and I, I am actually thankful in this one that Karen did not do her extra gory steps in some of the attacks that happened in here, because you, you know, it's bad. Like when they talk, when Leanne talks about how it was when she came home and her mom banging on the door. Um, I think all of us were really hurt by that scene. That was a really hard scene to read or to listen to. Um, and then just what she was experiencing on her body as she was starting to realize the different things that occurred the different orifices that were were touched i mean i just i can't even like that was that was it was hard to read and listen to so you know it was bad and i'm this is the one time i'm like thank god karen you weren't Mm -hmm. that fucked up so thank you for that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a tough scene because she's literally getting rid of any evidence 
possible. And it's like, and you're like sitting here like, no, stop. Like we're never going to catch him now. Cause she just like did not care. She just wanted it off her body. And I mean, I, I'm sure that's a hard position to be in to where, you know, you have to sit with this on you for longer than you want to be to make sure get all the samples and stuff like that. Or just like, no, get this shit off me and be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's rough. It's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And and I think Karen wanted to, I think she wanted the readers to experience that. She wanted you to experience what life is, what it's actually like for a lot of these sexual assault victims. Um, and it's it was hard to listen to. You're like, no, Leanne, don't do that. You need to take it. You need to go get a rape kit. You know, we're like, yeah, go get a rape kit. Well, I mean, she doesn't want to have cotton swabs in all of her orifices. She doesn't want to have... You know, like, you know, it's it's a whole, I mean, that's when it becomes real, you know? And so she, she, she got rid of her underwear. She took a shower. She scrubbed hard for hours, took a bunch of showers, you know, like she did everything she could to really eliminate everything. And I think just Karen wanted to highlight that experience, what it was like for this young girl who was like, what am I going to say? Like, I got drunk at a club. Who's going to believe me? Like, I'm a party girl. They're going to know this about me. You know, that's, that's, that's what I do. Yada, yada. Um, and, you know, and she just, she touched on a lot of, and it, it popped up for a lot of the different victims in the story. They all experienced a different way, kind of what life is like after that night, you know? I think the mom too in that scene was, I mean, we're, we're all mothers. I think we all can relate to something horrific happening to our child and hearing it, hearing what's happening on the wall, not knowing what's happening to an extent, but knowing something horrific happened and being unable to do anything to console or protect because it's already happened at this point there's no you can't protect anymore what's happened has happened mm-hmm. and the realization as the mom is starting like her let me in becomes more of a pleading cry and begging of oh my god what happened please tell me like that i that transition was really hard for me to read mm-hmm. and it was such a small part of this book mm-hmm. um but i think karen did a really good job of of highlighting all of these various emotions that a woman goes through when something like this happens or any victim when this happens, because some are super angry. Like you see how Leanne is tries to have com- comedic relief and also is bitter and hateful towards people. And also kind of like a little bit sad and wants to be touched and it, like all of those emotions in just a very small interview that she has. Um, I just, I thought she did a phenomenal job of highlighting all of that because it's all, it's all real. And I can only imagine how many of those variations we would all go through if something horrific like this truly happened to any one of us. Well, and too, Leanne was missing, technically. They yes. were looking for her. You know, they didn't know what had happened to her. She was she was with them for, I don't remember exactly how long the timeline was that she was missing, but long enough for a police report to be filed, for them to her to be on the news. People were looking for her. So she was, she was held by them for, it seems like it had to be a couple of days, I guess, um, before she was just dumped off in front of her apartment. And that's, that's what her mom experiences. She comes in the house and she's running to the bathroom and she hasn't even put eyes on her yet. And she's vomiting and like, you know, it was, you know, it would be brutal. It'd be brutal. I do have a couple of segments highlighted that does reflect um, a couple, several things, how rape victims are supposed to act, Mm. how the effect rape has on a person's guilt or their thinking and then um, there was also a part where Sloan and Sarah had a little banter about mm-hmm. how rape is a character building exercise. So I did kind of want to highlight those because I felt like Karen did a great job here in 
Um, thankfully, I have never experienced something like this, so I don't know what it's like. But this very much highlighted what that feels like. Um, so I did want to share um, Sarah had guilt after her rape. And this is what she was telling to Will about it. She said, after I was raped, I was so worried that I'd done something wrong. Did I accidentally lead him on or flirt with him or send him the wrong message? And I know that doesn't make sense. Rape isn't sex. It's not an intimate relationship. But knowing that Britt pushed the janitor, that she manipulated him into attacking me, takes away some of that guilt. So that was just a little highlight into, of course, you're going to sit here and say, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Why was I so nice to this guy? Or, you know, and that's just horrific to sit here and put that on yourself after something like that happens. It's super sad too, that it took her having to find out that it was like an, an orchestrated act for her to let go of the guilt of maybe I let on the janitor, which is really tragic in itself too. It's not just that you already carry the guilt, but now the only way to get rid of it is that someone did something horrific enough to make it worse than what happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, there was a part about how rape victims are supposed to act. And this is when, in the beginning of the book, when Sarah and Faith are going on their little walk and she had just testified at the trial and she tells Faith that she's been raped because she didn't know this about her friend. Um, So it's kind of a long, so bear with me. She says, people always have an idea of how a rape survivor should and shouldn't exist in the world. They judge you based on how they think they would act if it happened to them or how they think you should act. And there's no possible way to satisfy all of them. So you just say to yourself, why? Why am I having to convince someone, usually a stranger, that I didn't deserve this traumatic, life-altering assault that happened to me? Or worse, why do I have to convince them that I'm not making it up for, for what, attention? Or, oh God, if they feel sorry for you and elevate you to some kind of sainthood, like you're a better person because you suffered. And should I call myself a victim or a survivor? Because sometimes, even 15 years later, I feel like a victim. And other times, I feel like, fuck yes, I'm a survivor. I'm still here, aren't I? But the words are so politicized and it stops being about how you feel and it becomes about how everyone else feels. And at the end of the day, it's easier to just shut up about it and try to live your life and hope, pray like hell, that it doesn't come up so you don't have to deal with it again and again and again. It's powerful. It's it's very deep. It hits in a way that, well, we all were just very silent for just now Mm -hmm. trying to take, like, even though we've all read this now, most of us twice, it's still, it, it hits hard and it's a reality and, and it's horrific. And I, to the women who do it and go through this or to anyone who goes through something like this and is able to come out of it and actually say those words and say, this is what I'm supposed to do. I know this isn't exactly how it feels and I'm just kind of like over it. Fucking yeah, you guys are doing a great job. So I just, yeah, I feel like, it's like this not- is why women don't come out and, and say yes. stuff because yes. they're just going to get crucified. Well, They're did you dismissed. do this? Did you do that? Yeah. Did you not do this? Did you not do that? Like, yeah. So I don't know. Those are very heavy words. I, I felt like I needed to read them. I don't know what to say after them, but. I think Leanne awesome. does a good job of picturing that, like, because after hers and she comes in for the interview, yeah. she gets dolled up like she's going to a club because this is what I look like. So here it goes. Cause you guys are going to talk shit about me anyway, when I walk in here. Yeah. And I thought it was great when they talked about, um, I think it was Faith who says it, that, um, they were all looking at her like maybe she was dressed however and it was a moment where he said where she said that 
you don't, some women get dressed up for themselves. You don't have to do it because somebody else is looking. You get fucking dressed up because you want yeah. to. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's why I do it. I'm sure that's why most of us do it. Um, so just the fact that, that men or just people in general who think, take advantage of people like that based on what they're wearing or how they're dressed, it's, that's bullshit. That's not. Yeah. Like not control fair. your, your yeah. raging, disgusting, filth controlled, perverse mind. Like Correct. I can wear whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, it's sad. Um, I I loved the banter between. I was going to read that next (laughs) and Sloan. Yeah, do you mind, Rose? Do you mind if I read it? Oh, oh no, you please. Yes. Yeah, I I loved the banter. I have my little my little kitty sticky note is here because it was so well done. It was it was well done by Karen because she was able to hit so many dumb arguments back to back, like in just a really well done way. so this is, again, this is Sarah and Sloan talking in a hotel room. This is Sarah has confronted Sloan, uh, basically been like, listen, I heard you were assaulted. I'm doing this investigation. I need to know what happened. You need, you know, this is part of the investigation now. And so Sloan opens up to her about her assault um, and they kind of start talking about it. And she said, uh, you know what I hate? Sloan asked, honestly, I hate a lot of things, but I really hate when people say everything happens for a reason. I mean, seriously, what's the reason? Sarah shook her head because she was just as clueless. I like time heals all wounds. Unfortunately, it doesn't keep you from pooking out your guts in a Marriott. Sarah raised her glass in a toast. Sloan toasted back. How about at least it made you stronger? Yep, one of my favorites. Rape as a character building exercise. They toasted each other again. Sloan said, my favorite question is, did you tell him no? It's crazy, but it's hard to speak through duct tape. Sorry, it's not rape unless he hears you give a firm no. Sarah laughed. (laughs) What about, did you try to fight him off? That is my absolute favorite, Sloan said. Everybody always thinks it's easy to kick a guy in the nuts, but they're harder to find than you think. How about screaming? Did you try that? Sure, that's an easy one, except when your vocal cords freeze. What were you doing there in the first place? What were you wearing? Did you send the wrong signals? Sloan laughed. If that had happened to me, I would have scratched out his eyes. Yeah, but I was handcuffed. My wrists were tied to the bed. Sarah knew they had stopped playing the game. Sloan put the glass to her mouth but didn't drink. Maybe I should have bitten him, pulled a Mike Tyson on his ear, nose, face, anything, but I didn't. I just laid there and waited for it to be over. Sarah watched Sloan roll the glass between her hands. I voluntarily went out with him. We were officially on a date. I had too much to drink. We both did. Sloan placed her empty glass on the table. You know, if you get drunk and you get behind the wheel of a car and you kill somebody, they don't give you a pass. Like, oh, you would never kill somebody when you were sober. You can't possibly be a murderer. Go with God. No, Sarah said, they don't. Go with God. So Southern. Good job, Karen. It's true. All of it's true. It's horrible. Yep. Yeah, I just, I felt the need to highlight those three specific blurbs in the book because Karen did a great job in really shedding light into what happens after that night. Those were pivotal parts in the book that, for me really helped me get into the mind of, and I was sitting here like, how would I act? Like, what would I do? Like I would surely go spiral down and think of all the shit that I did wrong. Like I would definitely be like that. So mm-hmm. she did a good job. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. I don't even have anything left because I chugged the tequila poor timing, but cheers. <laughs> cheers. Maybe there's a sip. Well, while we're on this downward spiral, I'm going to go through some quick rape stats. 
and then we're going to move on. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> I, need, yeah. I need a break. <laughs> I had to take a lot of breaks in this book, if I'm honest. Even though I read it twice, okay. I, I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, first off, we have every two minutes in America, a woman is raped. Okay. So that's happened a lot in the hour and 45 minutes we've been on here. Half a million, half a million American women are raped every year. Uh, that's 500,000. Over 40% of American women and 20% of men have experienced some sort of sexual violence in their lifetime. And fewer than 20% of those instances were reported to police and even fewer have been prosecuted because of all those aforementioned things that people who are assault victims go through. Mm -hmm. We can now move on from the sad rape facts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, I will say this and who knows, this might get edited out, but bear with me. Um, as a member of this shitty club that these women are a part of, I have actually experienced having to explain to a, a district attorney who has gone back through my Facebook post and pulled up photos of me and asked me, can you explain what this photo is? Cause they're going to talk about this one. Who's in this one? Who's this guy? What were you doing in this one? How old were you? look at the dress you're wearing. What were you doing at this event? And I had to actually go through and like make, you know, justifications for like being a normal run of the mill girl. Um, And to have to explain that. And then that's when you really, you kind of recognize what you're up against and you're like, shit, like, no, I'm not an angel and you're not going to be able to paint me as one. Like, no, I'm going to have to explain this. Does it justify? No, it does not. You know, but you have to, they don't make the man do that. He doesn't have to explain but you sure as fuck do. You, the victim, you have to explain. You have to make sure that they are sympathetic to you and they don't go, oh, you weren't assaulted. Like, yeah. come on, like, you know, look at your life. Um, and it's, you know, it, uh, it's just, it's pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. I think that's what I was thinking about. Like if, if this ever was to happen to me, like, I'm very open about my past life. Like mm-hmm. I would get fucking annihilated and discredited right off the bat just because I'm, you know, just who I am. I'm not a bad person, but like, have I had, a, have I been a saint my whole life? No, but mm-hmm. yeah. You don't, well, you don't think about that. You know, right. you're yeah, not like, well, this is going to bite me in the ass if I'm ever like calling right. the stand and have to explain mm-hmm. this picture. Like you don't think like that, you know, and no one thinks like that. And it, it's, it's a shame that, Victims of assault have to think like that, that they have to even sit up there and explain themselves. I mean, that is that. That's why most of them don't say anything because yeah. it sucks. You know, I mean, they drag you the through it. get picked apart. Yeah, you get absolutely yeah. destroyed. I mean, people are writing character letters that you're like, shit, I thought you were my friend. And like, they're writing character letters for the other guy. And you're like, you're kidding, right? Like, um, yeah. And it's a, it's just, it's yeah. a very, it's a very eye opening. You're like, okay, all right. I see how this is going to go. You know, you, you don't go into it feeling like a winner by any means. Um, and most of the time you're yeah. not. And that just, it's just really sad. It just sucks. And Karen Slaughter did such a good job at hitting on all of these points. I mean, she really nailed it. And uh, um, what she set out to do was draw attention to what life is like for women after an assault. And she just did a, a bang up job because look at Sarah, you know, Sarah's moved on. She lives a happy life. She's with a man she really loves and she's good. And this still, after 15 years, rears its ugly head. She still feels guilt. She still feels shame. 
Um, and it's just, I just wish that we could get a message out there to all of you sick fucks that your selfish <laughs> desires and your impulses are not worth someone's entire life. It's just not, you know, I know like when you really sit there and think about it, mm-hmm. like how fucked up that is, like you're mm-hmm. so fucking sick and twisted in your head. You think you have a right to destroy mm-hmm. someone else's life for your sick fantasies. Like that's yep. just fucked up. Yeah, it's a, it's God, a sense of power and control. You just can't fathom. It's like, I would never do that to someone, you know? I would never hurt somebody like that way. And they just, they're left and right. They're just, they just do mm-hmm. not care. And it's, and look at the rate, look at the statistics. It's sickening Yeah, how often it's yeah. happening. I mean, like you said, I don't even want to do the math. It's been an hour and 45 minutes. I don't want to do the math on how many women have been assaulted since we've been sitting here chit-chatting, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's just messed up. <sighs> Well, while we're on messed up, um, there's more to that last into- time. Oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> we're supposed to be done now. Let's get back into some juicy bits. Let's talk about some torture. Can we talk about some yeah, torture? torture? Yeah, let's That's do some torture. I was go. Let's, let's fuck up Brit because she deserved it. Yeah, Brit. No, well. Yeah. I Again. Know. That's the mixed emotions with her. I have well, mixed emotions I- with her as well that I yeah. would like to discuss. I just wanted to preface all this by saying that, again, um, so Elsie, when um, Will went to the golf course club to meet Elsie to try to get into the club to get in with these schmooze with these assholes, Elsie then said, all these high powerful guys in here are all pimps of some sort, whether they are a pimp to their wives, whether they are a pimp to their friends, like one of them is always the ringleader. And everyone follows in the command of him. And we saw that with Mac. Like he was the orchestrator in their group. Like he was the head honcho in their little group. We saw, um, you know, Richie was constantly like groveling for his approval. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all Mac had to do was just like look at him sideways and he would just like shut up or just, you know, pivot whatever he was talking about. So Mac and Britt had a special kind of fucked up relationship. And I mean special with a capital S. Mm-hmm. Um, it was described in the book kind of as um, Mac being, well, not really. Edit this and someone take over. <laughs> where were you going to uh, go? And I, where were you going to go? Because um, he wasn't really Britt's pimp. Because she was also she, he is. Let me just too. let me just tell you why okay, you take it then. Because you, take oh, it. you were talking about how she she mentioned in the book she was talking about how all men are pimps, but she says, um, "Well, that's where the pimps come in. They make you feel special. They sweep you off your feet. They buy you things. They make sure you've got food and clothes and a roof over your head. And before you know it, you've got nothing, and they control everything. That's when they tell you to get on your knees, and you do it because they have all the power. And I feel like when she's talking about." Um, why she did it and Britt pulls out like her $10,000 tennis racket or her brand new ring or she talks about you know the car that she buys whatever she wants I mean she talks about all of these things that money can buy and and Sarah says well money that's not everything she says you stupid bitch money is everything everybody wants this so he definitely was her pimp in every way and she loved every second of it yeah um well, Britt had this quote about her marriage that I just find so interesting. <laughs> she says, um, it's not abuse because he, 
he abused her in, in different ways. Let's get into the abuse first, okay, before yeah, I talk about her quote. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he had um, like cameras all in the house that could control literally everything in the house from his phone through the from the alarm to the temperature to the music to everything from his phone. So while she was home, he or she would be like doing dishes or something and he would like crank up the heat to like 90. He would start blasting heavy metal music and just watch her sit here and suffer on camera. Why? <laughs> like, what the fuck? It was so messed up. And then to have other people join in and, and right, help watch. you torture her. Cause like, yeah. it was like, it, first of all, this was kind of like um, being in Donald Trump's locker room, that little steak dinner that the boys had <laughs> um, the way they were talking. I was like, this is what it's like. It's locker room talk, right? You know, they're just being absolutely disgusting men. And then they pull up the phone and he's doing all the torture and stuff. And he's letting other people do it. He's like, you know, you can press this button. What do you want to do? You want to blast music or you want to turn up the heat? What would you like to do to her? You know? And it's just like Mm -hmm. that level, like how could you even feel human when your husband treats you that way? Yeah. How do you feel like a human after that? She says the reason why she doesn't consider it to be abuse is because at least he sees her. So when he's doing Mm -hmm. those things, it's his way of saying, hey, I know you're still there. So this is me fucking with you like I fuck with everybody else. So at least I still see you. And she Mm -hmm. thought that was a compliment. Yeah. No, her exact quote is, it's not abuse. It's a compulsion. Everything Mac does, every time he hurts me, I know what he's really saying is that he still sees me. Do you know how many other 47-year-old women can say that about their husbands? Mac has always seen me. He loves me. Because he wants to watch you suffer on camera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, and the the worst one, um, which I chuckled <laughs> a little bit because I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but I don't even know you could do this. It's also super dangerous. You can even do this anyways. But yeah. apparently she's driving in her, you know, badass, probably Porsche or something, whatever, on 285. And he had the ability to cut off her engine while she was driving on the interstate. Oh probably what? going Doing 80 is what it says. She was doing 80. Turns off her engine. She shit herself. Um, and refused to get back into her vehicle and instead went and bought another one. And they were just cracking up about, well, that's such a back, another hundred thousand. He's like, yeah, one ten or something crazy. Like, like it was a joke to them and it really was, it was a sport to these guys. Um, and then, and that's what makes it so crazy. You realize, you know, you hear about what's happening to break. You start to kind of feel sorry for her. You're just like, damn, is she stuck in this relationship? But then you realize she's a part of the rape club too. And that just further blows your mind that, that she also not only was a part of the club, but they also tortured her too. Um, just again, mm-hmm. to show you how some women just are, are victims, whether they, they can help it or not. Did she physically act in the club outside of orchestrating and bringing the girls to them? Like, what did she physically do any of the stuff? She didn't bring the girls to them. Nah, she didn't. They, they, they. Is she not the one would... that drew on the girls and stuff when they were. So she up? did. That was a, that was part of the stalking. So she stalked. She was part of it. She was the stalker. That's what I'm talking about. Right, but she so... didn't. She didn't drug them or take them. That oh was a, no, that was, that was another person's job to literally. Bring well, the that's girls what up. I'm wondering. Did she do any other acts like everyone else swapped roles? Did she ever swap roles other than stealing their shoes? It's a good question. I don't. I think yeah. that the, they were always drugged. They were, I mean, she drugged Sarah, so she might have been she a did. drugger at some point. Mm-hmm. I doubt she was the one who, like, picked the girls up and brought them back. Like, I don't think she was that person, but she probably, you know, was definitely a part of the drugging. Like, mm-hmm. we don't even know how Leanne was drugged. Leanne was like, you know, she made a point not to let her drink be out. You know, she doesn't even know how she got drugged. Um, it just, you know, you wouldn't expect it from a woman. So maybe, ew, because Tommy was the one dancing with Leanne. Do you think his mom was there drugging her too? Like, they did it together? Ew. I do. Wait, That's what I'm asking. 
Wait, he he got her with the needle. That's I thought the needle was involved. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah, when they were, dancing. Yeah, oh, when they were right. dancing, he stabbed her with the needle. Yeah, that's how mm-hmm. he gets her. Yeah. Well, there was a there was a passage where Faith was. Um, I, I can't remember the the backstory of what what she was doing, but she, oh, she was looking back through the chats, and she had a little. Uh, I felt like it described domestic violence and why Britt stayed with Mac. Um, there was a part of Faith that wondered why Britt didn't leave, even though she knew it was never that simple. Domestic violence is one of the most complicated crimes, part assault, part coercive, part coercive control, part brainwashing, part false imprisonment. Whether the victim was living in a mansion or a tract home, there were all different kinds of reasons for staying. Isolation, shame, embarrassment, denial, fear of losing their children, fear of becoming homeless, and the very real fear of violence because the most dangerous time for a victim who, has, who was when they tried to leave their abuser. Telling somebody to walk out the door was easy when you never had a door slammed into your head so many times you ended up with a skull fracture. God, this book. <laughs> I know. It's so heavy. She, I mean, she was a victim of domestic violence, but, but. But yeah. was she though? Because I'm pretty sure they talk about the fact that she had bruises and all of that stuff when she worked at Grady. So she yeah. was physically she abused was. by him all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It does not justify what she did, but... No, no. No, it doesn't. But she says, um, when she's talking to Sarah at the end of the book, she said, you can't reel him back in with a tight snatch and high tits. How you mm. get their attention, how you keep it, that's the game. Marriage is a blood sport. Anyone who claims otherwise is lying. And she's saying this in reference to her helping her husband rape women. Mm-hmm. Bitch, you're in the wrong marriage. Yeah. 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 Marriage is not a blood sport. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like you picked the wrong one. (laughs) I just I can't even imagine like living in that situation and thinking this is normal. Like this is what we do. We 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 this is how you show love. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. just insane. And the worst part is, you know, they're raising a kid into this, another generation of, you know, this. And she's not like some low life. Like she was smart. She was in the medical field. Like, you know, she had a child and still went through medical school, like supported her husband. Like, you know, she's not some, you know, low down who doesn't have anything going for her. Like she could have had a great life, a normal life. Mm -hmm. And she made a really poor choice. And maybe she's also, well, obviously she's super fucked up, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think that, a lot of physicians or people of that status are, they kind of do some shit like this or they're fucked up in this kind of level. I mean, think about There's the, been a lot of stories, medical stories that come I mean, out, like women getting raped I mean, under a anesthesia lot. and shit like that. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm just, yeah, so I mean, maybe yeah. there's like a person who like has the drive to be a physician. They could, okay. And I'm saying this and my brother-in-law is in uh, medical school, but maybe they're all fucked up. I don't know. You look excited about this. Because I can't wait to tell him that I think he's fucked up in a minute because it just dawned on me. (laughs) Can't wait to text him about it. (laughs) What kind of fuckery do you think about? Yeah. Mm. Well, she had talked, you know, Sarah talks about, because Sarah is a surgeon herself, and she talks about how confident and how arrogant you have to be to be a surgeon, you know? Um, And so that's why I was saying it it feels like some kind of just a big power trip in the medical Mm -hmm. field, this like, Especially for for Mac in this situation, this I saved this girl and she just went on my list. Like how just mm-hmm. that's so what a twisted way of looking at it. 
it, the gymnast girls. Um, it yeah, wasn't I, like, I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many of them who fell victim to this person. And I just, and that's real. This isn't a fake story that came out of Karen Slaughter's head. This is like real life shit. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Such an abuse of power. And you see it in a lot of different institutions, yes. but I guess apparently it's rampant in the medical field. Mm-hmm. And churches too, but that's something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, speaking of this, totally off subject, but did anyone see on Netflix they have um, the, the the true stories of the Boy Scouts? Has anyone seen that stuff? Oh, no. There's like a whole no. thing. So is it on... about that? I, I, I didn't know if it was about the sexual is it rapey? assault part or if it was it just is. about No, it is. It is the, the is oh, gosh. Boy Scouts. I, yeah. know, I, I haven't seen it yet, but it's um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I can watch it. There's a difference between watching and listening or reading, so I, I don't know if I can visually watch it, but I may play it in the background, maybe. Are they going to show like it? Like a or? podcast. I don't know. Sign I don't want to see the people. If I don't a reenactment? The... What the fuck, Stephanie? Oh, it God, is... what if there is? <laughs> what if and why are you looking like that right now? How about that scene in Outlander? Did y'all see that? Oh, that scene. You know, I have never watched it, Stephanie. You know how many times I've watched Outlander? And I have never watched that scene. I have to fast forward. Only... I can't do it. I can't it's a, do it's it. A, it's a... A male on male violent rape, and it's very, it's, a, it's, very it's horrible. It's uh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's like of the I, beloved um, main character you find very yeah. attractive gets, you know, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. Jamie, Jamie. Yeah, it's horrific. He gets raped in exchange yeah. for Claire's safety, and and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's awful. never he's never sacrifice. himself again. No, and she has to leave again. him there. Like she has to leave, yeah. knowing it's going to happen. Like that would I cried buckets. I watched oh, it one wow. time, never again. Yeah, it's, I it's couldn't watch it. Let's move on from rape. Yeah. What about plot holes? I, am, am I the only one who had some? Sammy has some. Go, Sammy. Um, all right. So plot holes. And maybe I'm just, I missed something. But I, I kind of wanted to know, like, so a part of the story is they're, they're going to ambush. This is how they actually, this is how it all ends at the end. They, they go and they ambush. Sarah's going to talk to Britt and get her to try and spill the beans on what's going on. Sarah has no idea that Britt is part of the ringleaders. Um and then at the same time, Will is undercover during this time, and he is going to go meet with Mac um, to get $25,000, which is one of the ways they're trying to, to get um, Mac. What they're going after him now is the RICO case because they don't have all the details around what they did. Um, and I actually Googled some what a re- I didn't know what a RICO case is. I just, I hear it said, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. What is that? Um, it's basically, it's, it's, you find other things they've done to try and nail them on the big mm-hmm. thing you're trying to get them on. And that's basically mm-hmm. what they were trying to do. But what the plot hole for me or what was unanswered question is like, what happened there? They never actually talk about, you know, all they talk about is Sarah talking with Britt. You never hear about Will interacting with Mac and what happened during that whole timeline. And I kind of wanted to know, like, I, I don't know. It just kind of bothered me. Like, well, what happened with that whole thing? Because I was there while Sarah was talking to Britt. I think that, well, wasn't he listening to what was going on or no? Because I think it was, he was called off when Amanda well, well, went yeah, rushing was, in. So, well, his job, Will's job was to distract Mac. So Mac wouldn't look at the cameras. Uh, um, so he was doing something with Mac during that time and getting the 25000 I guess. I don't know. I was just, I wanted to kind of hear about like Mac's downfall. Like they don't talk about Mac's downfall. They talk about Brit's. Like, I think it was implied yeah. because what Britt yeah. did told everything. So there was no, the Rico case was irrelevant at this point. Everyone just got sold out and they had yeah. all the evidence that they needed at that point on. And then Britt killed herself. So mm-hmm. I feel like that was all 
Like, I, I feel like the Rico part was irrelevant at that stage. They no longer needed that small snippet to, to do it. That was just to try and get to this level, but that it skipped right to the that level. So they no longer needed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, no one else just sit curious. down, Samantha. No <laughs> problem. Right. Also, was anyone else curious? I guess I just wanted like these it, aren't it, plot it holes. So these much, are just your curious <laughs> need. There was so much material to cover. Unanswered question. Yes, they are. Yeah, because I just wanted to know like more detail of the night with Will and Jeremy because they and I and I guess I know why she probably didn't go into more detail. But this is whenever. Um, Will and Jeremy both go undercover to go hang out with the rape club members and they're going to like a father-son, like this is how fucked up they were, like mm-hmm. a father-son night at the at the cigar bar, like just crazy. Um, and one of the, the rape club members' sons shows Jeremy, which is Faith's son, a video of Danny being raped by, and I don't know if he could see that it's time, but basically a video of, being raped, of her being raped. Um, and then they just kind of like, they show that happening, you know, he sees it and then they cut and, and just go to, to faith waking up with him the next morning. Um, and I guess I just wanted to know, no more. Like, I, don't, I just feel like it was, I was like all into it. I was like, Oh my God, what's about to happen. And then like nothing, you know, and not that nothing happened, but I don't know. There were just things I wanted more. You I know? feel like that's going to become another story. I feel like Jeremy's going to become maybe like mm-hmm. the next generation okay. of these stories i think she's building up to him as as being maybe potentially something more because you do learn a lot about jeremy in this one which you never really knew anything about him other than just being Mm -hmm. faith's son so um they talked about his intelligence where he went to school um the fact that he was giving up you know 3m to go be in atlanta pd or it sounds like he may potentially be going into the fbi so there's like i feel like there's a new twist maybe brewing for potentially something else for jeremy which i'm kind of excited about um kid who's raised by a crazy mom like faith i'm sure he's got some some good stories in his head and i would really like to hear what they are so maybe that's why you don't know what happened sammy maybe so but but yeah those are the only two i had nothing big but just i was just like hey i want to know more you know that's how she does it um i don't know who wrote this but um brit talks about how they paid the girls in the past so oh, yeah, did some of them knew what they were getting paid for, or did they only pay them afterwards to keep quiet? That was my impression. Um, I forgot about that one. I actually wondered that too, and I I was curious if that's. I actually had a question backtracking too, real quick. Did they say in the video that it was Tommy that was in the video with Danny, or did it was it just assumed because it was on Tommy's phone? It was assumed you couldn't visit. Vis- so that was probably confirm. Mac. That was doing all. No, it was right? Tommy. No, Tommy it was, was definitely Tommy. Tommy, yeah, because it's Tommy it. was Danny oh. was Tommy's first try at mixing the chemicals and trying mm-hmm. to get it right, and they have, they had, mm-hmm. you know he had to call right. Mac and um, okay Britt to okay. come help him, and that's when mm-hmm. she hit her with his the, semen oh, was it. on her. Okay. Like it was, okay. it was Tommy. Okay. Yeah, I got confused. Okay, I'm sorry, Roseanne. That was totally off subject, but I had to ask that question. You can ask yours again. I didn't have a question anymore. The, what was your, how what much the saying, girls right? got paid. Mm. Or no, just like, because they talked yeah. about, you know, they paid some of the girls off. And it's like, did they, so did they know what happened to them afterwards? Or did they, did some of them like wake up mid whatever? And they were like, what's happening? And they're like, here, yeah, I'm going to give you some money. You're going to shut your mouth and act like nothing happened. Like they didn't really say about all the other victims. Like mm-hmm. some of them woke up. I feel like it could have been any of the above. Like any yeah. and all of the above, just depending on. Depending yeah. on what level it was, maybe depending on how much money you got, you know, and, and again, yeah. um, these were 
filthy rich people. The McAllisters yeah. specifically were millionaires. You're not going to go into a legal battle with them. And that's what, you know, it, we saw that happening in the beginning. Danny Cooper, they couldn't physically prove the assault. So the parents went after a wrongful death suit and spent their life savings combating the McAllisters. Only for the McAllisters to say, hey, we have some really raunchy photos that your daughter took and got them to cave. Come to find out they were still shots from the rape video where she was completely unconscious and they staged all, staged all of them. There was no limit to their messed upness. So, you know, it, it was one of the things I wanted to talk about was what money can buy you when you are going to trial. Um, I pulled a couple of things out that were mentioned in terms of this. So this was Tommy McAllister's defense um, in the civil suit against Danny Cooper's parents and the wrongful death of her. Um, they would they could hire for $2,500 an hour. You get a high price attorney who includes a jury consultant who helps you pick out your clothes and then who will also for months focus group advantageous keywords and strategies and then run a shadow jury nearby where they present the same evidence to the shadow jury to help you in your defense shape the approach in real time as it's happening that is what money can buy you when you go to trial Um, And so these poor girls who may have woken up in the midst or afterwards and maybe wanted to be like, hey, you know, this is what they were up against. Somebody who could afford to do all of that, where you could hire a publicist who shapes the narrative in the media for you, who takes your, you know, Tommy was accused of of raping a middle schooler when he was in middle school. He attacked the neighbor's dog. Like all of these things were known and the publicist was able to shape that into, you know, basically I think they said turning a predator into a choir boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how a lot of them get away with it. Well, it, well, it, and to your point, you brought up earlier about, you know, social media, they'll go back and they find anything they can to paint you to be a horrible person. And that's exactly what they get paid to do mm-hmm. um, is to, is to find your skeletons and paint you to be somebody that, that you're not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If you're up against someone who thinks like that, who's so manipulative mm-hmm. and just thinks that way, and you're the total opposite, like you're already in a losing battle, like no matter mm-hmm. what situation actually in life you're in, if you're up against somebody like that, like you're done for because Mm -hmm. the way someone can sit here and make their mind work like that and twist everything around like that. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Sometimes karma pays off though. Can we talk about Brit McAllister in the closet? The end scene. Yeah. I, I actually, I took, I was like reading the book and I closed the book and was like, Yes. I loved the scene at the end with Sarah and Britt in the closet. Um, And basically what happens for those who didn't get to read it, I feel it's important you know what happens. So basically, um, Sarah goes undercover to a degree. She goes in with a mic on and she's going to go, you know, try to get Britt to give them their, like, like Sam said, the Rico case, they were going at them from all angles. They were pulling in all kinds of ammunition against this group. Um, and one of the levels was Sarah was going to go and try to get Britt to confess and explain on camera, you know, kind of what happened. Um, they did not know at this time Britt was that heavily involved, but they knew by now Mac had, you know, he was targeting these young girls from his patient list and all that good stuff. And they just wanted the proof. And so um, Britt, and, Britt and Sarah, they kind of get into a conversation and it's none of that part's important for what I'm about to say, but it comes out that Sarah is recording and Britt's like, Oh shit. Like we're kind of caught. So she makes a full confession, takes Sarah's gun from her, makes a full confession there on camera. It was me. I did it. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm the ringleader of this whole thing. Tommy is innocent. Mac is innocent. It's all me. 
she goes into the closet and Sarah's trying to talk her down and she shows her, you know, she sees all the shoes in the rape room and it's this whole, it's just a, a big powerful moment for Sarah. Um, and Brit's just going on and on and she's trying to convince her, don't shoot yourself. Don't do this. Tommy needs you, blah, blah, blah. And Brit's basically like, you stupid bitch. You still don't get it. Like I staged your rape. Like I'm the reason. And she walks Sarah through how she did everything and how she orchestrated the whole thing. And then Brit tries to shoot herself, but she's using a revolver. Um, and so when she pulls the trigger, nothing happens. <laughs> And Sarah covers her mic and she's like, you have to pull the hammer back to pull the trigger. <laughs> and she does. She pulls you. the hammer back and shoots herself. Yeah. Um, and I did a little cheer. I was like, good for you, Sarah, that you got that little, uh, that little final moment of, of, it was a, it was a good moment. It was a nice, and I loved how Karen did it. It was just very well. It just, it ended perfectly. Mm-hmm. I love that she also edited the audio when it was officially turned in. She took out the little snippet where she says, mm-hmm. you have to pull the hammer back mm-hmm. when they do the well, phone. So, oh, I don't know, Sarah oh, yeah. messes with the audio. And it was because she took out the tiniest little hint of sound that that's what she did. No, no, no. She she, she covered she, she it. She mic'd it. She mic'd yeah. it. She covered yeah, the whole it, thing. You it, couldn't it hear it. quiet is what they yeah, say. It just, oh, it I really thought she quiet. edited it out. No, because no face. Like Will did. No, well, Faith is it, talking not, to Will. Oh. Yeah, and says, hey, isn't it weird how, like, it cut out at the right that point? And he just doesn't say anything. He's you like, know? Oh, oh. Yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which I think yeah, is honestly just a testament to, to Sarah and Will's relationship that, not that I wouldn't tell my husband too, but, like, she was she was like, she hey, too. I, mm-hmm. I told her to pull back. Like, nobody had to know. Nobody else was mm-hmm. there but, but Sarah and Britt. Um, but she did confess to Will because she had to get it off her chest. She, she was like, am I a horrible person? <laughs> you know? And, and no, you're not, Sarah, just so you know. Mm-mm. We would all we do all, that. Yeah, I yeah. It was good karma for all of us. It felt it good to have that little Yes. <laughs> I would Especially have when she was being so horrible, she was situation. like that's me. And then she tries that's to kill me. herself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah Would like, have been better oh. she said, You stupid bitch, you gotta pull the lever back. Right, exactly. Yeah. You dumb Yeah. <laughs> Edit that out. I don't like that word. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna take out my She uses it a lot. That is like Brit's favorite word. It is her favorite word. She is she is literally she was a crude. vicious person. Yeah, she's she loves she loves see you next Tuesday is what we'll say. Yeah. That's her yeah, favorite term. Yes. <sighs> okay, right. well. Does anyone have anything else before we do reviews? Let's see if I do. Let me go Let me back look at my, my private notes real quick. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> Everyone Sarah's double check. Lounge. Yeah. Donald Trump's locker room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i do want to like i'm proud of us for not getting too political yet like we're we're t- touching on a lot of really hard stuff but we're not going political has anyone said me too um Stephanie, me too. Some, one of you guys said on the tail ends of the me too movement one of you guys that's said. what karen slaughter said that's why she wrote this book on the heels of the <clears throat> me too movement so that's true mm-hmm. i stand by karen slaughter on that um, um there is a passage let me look if it's worth reading i said it's page 335 starting with will and i put heart emoji so let's just see what i said oh my oh god, god. <sighs> let's not do let me it see if i find it first let me see if i find edit. it first so i can roast you nope edit nice tits on that waitress <laughs> no is that it is that for the tits oh, okay no can i can i read it this is just okay and i just yeah. I, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast i am really obsessed with will trent he is in my opinion perfection <clears throat> This is when um, Jeremy, Faith's son, has come into the um, GBI and he's preparing to go undercover and he's he's given his spiel about why he should be allowed to do it and blah, blah, blah. And Will and Amanda are basically trying to be like, they're trying to show him what this is going to be really be like. Will took his time standing up. He was half a foot taller than Jeremy and had an extra 40 pounds of muscle. Mm. Will had worked undercover in prisons. 
When you were on the inside, you learned the art of violence. If you were really good at it, you didn't have to use your fist. You looked at a guy a certain way. You cowed him into submission because your posture, your obvious strength, your callous disregard for life conveyed to them the fact that you would take a knife to the eye before you let them win. Well, Trent could do that. And at the same time, he had a cute little chihuahua named Betty that he loved so much and wouldn't let her go to the shelter and he inherited this cute little thing. And I think that's what I love so much about Will Trent is like, he's a very large man who makes himself feel very small all the time because he's, you know, he's been beat down his whole life. But when he has to turn it on, he can. And um, he just, mm, he goes undercover with militia groups a lot undercover in prisons like he can be very tough when he has to be but he's an absolute sweetheart and he's so sweet to sarah and the dogs like he's a, a genuinely good person and anyway that's my spiel about will, will Trent. yes honey yes greg come on in you almost missed the podcast without coming in oh my god what's up he heard he heard you talking about will Trent, he's and he's like hey just a reminder of who i am like <laughs> I was about to ask you um he's watching my fingers <laughs> <laughs> i can't show you my fingers they're pruny Ew. Oh my god, Stephanie, you're disgusting. I just want you to know how true. Why is that you even? Are. Why would you even say that? Why? Why are your hands pruning? Samantha? Oh god. <laughs> In Smith's defense, she drank the whole bottle of whatever it was. This, this is that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. I've only had my one say. drink, and I'm. I'm <laughs> Oh my god! This is why Greg likes you. But we're not there yet. Are we at our reviews? We're at reviews. It's time. time. That was it. That was the last thing I wanted to mention. That was my last note. I said the passage on page three thirty-five, starting with Will took his time standing up and a bunch of heart emojis. So I really liked it. Wow! (laughs) That's all it takes is a man standing up. Got it. (laughs) It wasn't just him standing up, but yeah, that is all it takes. Um, Stephanie, go ahead and do a review for Christ's sake. Yes, please. Five stars, baby. Five stars. I will never, I will, probably will never give Karen Slaughter. I think there's one book there's she's one. written I've been like, there's eh. one. I think we all have the same reaction. Yeah. We, won't, we won't tear her apart. Um, but aside from that, Karen Slaughter gets five stars from me across the board, like always. I just, I love her writing. I enjoy it. There is, you know, a lot of people will experience this. They're like, there's a point in the books where they kind of lull. And there is, of course. Like, this is not... These are not fast-paced, moving thrillers. This is a story that unwinds and unrolls itself, and she just does it very well. I mean, like, look, we had two plot holes that weren't even really plot holes. They were just unanswered questions because there wasn't more time in the book to round out those things. You know, she just does a very good job of tying it up. You don't have a lot of questions at the end. She, she buttons it all up nice and neatly, takes you on a ride. She gets five stars from me every time. Okay. Ness? Uh, same. I gave it five stars. I absolutely love Karen Slaughter's books. I always have. Her writing was phenomenal. I laughed. I cried. I had a lot of emotions. I had a lot of aha moments. Um, like you said, Stephanie, there are moments where it kind of is a little slower, but I think that's intentional because you are. she develops her characters so well that you mm-hmm. feel like you know every single one of them very deeply. Um, even these random one-off ones that are just part of this story, you start to, I mean, we talked about Brit for a hot minute. Um, you know, you, you, she develops them each so well. And that's one of my favorite things about her. There are no unanswered questions. This book was very difficult to read. It hit a very, very deep and hard subject, but she did it with tact, um, and with an entertainment level that was not too disturbing to enjoy. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she did great five stars. Sammy? 
All right, so don't slaughter me, in pun intended. Um, I, I didn't give it a full five stars. I gave it a four point seven five, so close as hell. And I'll wow. tell you my, I'll tell you my wow. reasons why. Hang on, okay. It was another great read by Karen Slaughter. I have not read all of her books, and that plays a part into why my rating is where it's at. Um, I really enjoyed the book. Same thing with you, Vanessa. The character development was on point. Like. I've liked Faith in previous books, but she was my down, like hands yes. down favorite in this Faith. book. Like she was awesome. Her quips were funny. Like mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, she's awesome. Um, but um, you know, I would say that <laughs> I know you're going to be like, what? What's messed this book up for me is the Will Trent series on ABC. <laughs> so like, because oh, as I'm stop watching I know, it. Stop I've, watching I, it. I, like, I've only watched like a couple episodes, but when I'm reading this book, I can, that's all I picture is like mm-hmm. these characters. So it just, it really throws me off. So that's one reason for like the little knockoff on the points. The other part was that I was lost in the relationship with Will and Sarah because the last book I read, I feel like they were already together. I don't know. I feel like I was, obviously I didn't read the other book, so you didn't have to. She's right. For this book, you could have read it standalone. But like, I missed the whole Angie thing not being together mm-hmm. anymore like i missed that whole aspect of it so i just i wanted to know more so that's not her fault so these points are my fault not hers so yeah <laughs> so five stars got it okay <laughs> nothing's your fault karen nothing's your fault another great job hey and you threw me for a shock and a twist i did not think brit was going to be involved like she was mm-hmm. so another great like shocking twist so good job is that your final answer <laughs> final answer <laughs> All right, I'll wrap it up. I gave her five stars as well. Um, I really loved everything about this book. Like even all like the medical shit, um, you know, she, I felt like she described it in a way that I could like understand even the Mm -hmm. crazy wall shit. I'm not very good with my imagination, but I liked how she like talked through all the details of how they go through like prosecuting a case. That was enlightening to me like how the gbi works how the police department works like all those little things i just liked how she kind of spelled that all out some people might say oh that was boring to me or whatever but i i really enjoyed that um the um is this the right way to say it but like the personalization of a rape victim and what they feel and how they process that in their mind after like she did a great job at all of that like we've talked about so i just i really like this book and i admittedly have not read any of the Will Trent series. I stopped at number five. So I'm also Sammy like way behind, (laughs) but I felt like that didn't matter with this book. Like I picked right up and you know, I didn't need to read the other ones to know. The only thing was that they did reference the previous case a lot and how like faith had PTSD from it, which we didn't really mention much, but um, I asked Steffi to fill me in on that one. And um, do Mm -hmm. do you want to do a quick recap of why, Faith was so traumatized by that case. Yeah, it was oh, a rough five stars, one. by and the way. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, five stars. <laughs> the case before was another case where Sarah, Will, and Faith worked it together with Amanda, their boss. Um, and I, it's been a couple of years since I read it, so I don't remember a ton of details, but I do remember the main premise was that there was someone who was shocker raping women. Um, he would give them a paralytic assault them in the woods and leave them to die. Um, But the reason he got to that point where they started investigating him was he, his father was a, uh, I think a funeral home director. So he had access to corpses and bodies. Um, And that's where his necrophilia vibe for that paralytic came into play. Mm -hmm. In fact, his father had a heart attack 
because he walked down on his son with a corpse and had a heart attack wow. and died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he ends up being, um, he ends up being someone that Sarah actually knows and has worked with in the professional field. I cannot remember for the life of me his title. Um, and she ends he, up being the was, one who uncovers it. He Coroner, the, medical examiner, he yeah. was something. He was, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, but he was basically Ew. like, he was giving women paralytics to recreate his necrophilia. Um, wow. And, and he, and he used a hammer and broke it off inside of someone because he kicked it so hard that it broke off inside of her. Wow. You done? Yeah. You know, that actually might have been one of my first Will Tread books. I think it was for you because you did not one? read Pretty Girls when we all did. You went back and no. did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then you mm-hmm. got into yeah. the Grant yeah. County series. Honestly, really as soon as Sarah. I read that book, well, that's how messed up I was after the hammer. I was just, I was so enthralled by her writing that I immediately wanted to listen to Pretty Girls. Like, <laughs> so that didn't deter me at all. I was like, oh yeah. Like, and not that it's good. <laughs> I think that's what we said. Well, I had never listened to or, or, or you know read writing like that, and it was just very like yeah. I don't know. It was, it was very graphic, but it was also just the, to your point. She writes very well, even when she's writing about horrific things. She does a very good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she goes for it full send. She does not hold back. Like a lot of times, authors will leave you to imagine. Karen doesn't let you imagine. She always makes it, it's even worse than you imagine. She takes it one step further. Um, she's like, you can't, you can't get it fucked up enough. Let me take you there. Yeah. It, and, it's, yeah. and then she's there. I feel like this one, she, she almost deliberately did not do that yeah. to that extent, which mm-hmm. is one of the things I actually enjoyed about this one. Not that I don't love her fucked up shit. Cause mm-hmm. obviously we do, but because this one focused more on the feelings of the women versus the acts that occurred. I liked that about this story that she kept that part of her off in this one so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i forgot to mention that in my review <laughs> anyway okay well i think we're ready for your one-off then nessie thank you for that right. recap stephanie okay. mm-hmm. everyone has a right to have ptsd in this novel after that one so correct yeah yeah so let me try and talk about this now that we've just finished <laughs> <laughs> okay so I wanted to do a little shout out to Liberty because she's the reason why I think I picked this one this month to do because she really wanted to do this one as well. So shout out to Liberty for still listening. Um, I picked Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Um, this is a story that follows, and I have to say her entire name because the author required, like she's never mentioned by her first name in the story. So that's an important fact. Um, Elizabeth Zott is a brilliant self-taught chemist in the 1960s. She is quirky, as most brilliant people are, completely ignores social norms, and is obsessed with all things chemistry. Am I hearing Bo? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. She believes that every aspect of one's life can be related to science in some way, shape, or form. She meets her unlikely pair, Mr. Calvin Evans, a brilliant orphaned-turned-Nobel Prize-winning chemist, and together they have what quite literally is the perfect chemistry. As is with most experiments, life can turn up unpredictable surprises. Miss Elizabeth Zott finds herself as a single mother in search of a new career. She finds that yet another unlikely place in television, but not just any TV show. She hosts a cooking show turned science class. She combines her love of chemistry with her love of cooking and changes the show's set for the better, all while raising an un- equally unique and curious daughter with the, hope, with the help of an elderly neighbor. So this one, I thought, I did not know what to expect when I first read the story. I thought it was just going to be kind of one of those quirky little love stories, and it was 
it's far surpassed that. Um, so you guys all know I'm a big fan of women. I'm a big fan of girl power, the boss bitches, the rock star moms, even when we think we're failing, right? So this story hit on all of those things, which I thought was kind of fitting considering the fact of the book we just read about women who go through things. This one also had some of that happen in it, but in the 1950s, 1960s, like workforce and schooling where women really didn't have a part in any of that, it kind of touched on some of the sexism and that the misogyny that happens. Um, I just, I, I loved that that happened in this story, but it happened with like a lighter touch, a much lighter touch than what Karen does. Um, so it was super lighthearted, but it had like really funny little moments, even when it's talking about really sophisticated stuff, like parts of chemistry that I don't fucking know anything about other than that it's supposed to be like math, I think. But anyway, this book was fantastic. Don't let the scary part of the science thing throw you off. This book was really, really, really cute. The girl is really funny and witty, even though she's kind of weird. Um, so if you are a lover of life, a lover of women, or a lover of the magic of chemistry, I highly recommend this to people. I gave it a four stars. Nice. That's how much I liked it. Is it, it um, is it that one being adapted? It is. It is by so Apple, it's TV. Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're turning it into a, a show. It, I like the 1950s era because I just think I liked the fashion of it. So this book was kind of an, exciting to me, that 50s, 60s vibe of what women went through. The It touched a lot on the housewives and what she didn't want to be. She was very, very smart woman who was put down a lot by the people around her, specifically the men. Um, and so she, she was like, and, and after watching the Barbie movie, she was like, the Barbie of the time. Like, I'm going to be this powerful, smart woman and you're not going to label me by being a housewife or a single mom or a mom who never got married. Like, that's not fair. So she kind of broke all of those norms and it was it was cute. It was great. Good for her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good book. So thanks, Liberty, for the recommendation. I'm probably just going to watch the show. I figured you would. for the book wreck. <laughs> figured you would. Hey, I have to give a shout out to Ness too, because actually, I, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before, but you recommended um, All the Sinners Bleed by, hang on, let me get this yeah. right, All the Sinners Bleed uh, by good Cosby. Cosby. That was, such, I don't know if I, if I said this on the last one, but it was such a good book. Like I it really, you. that one, I would, I would, I'm going to double recommend it as another one off is that it was nice. definitely worth the, the list. Five stars. Like, Very good. It, it is. Yes. It's got Karen Slaughter vibes to it. It's, it, you know, it's a yep. little bit, it's different, but it's got Karen. It's very good. It's a good book. That's what I said. I would highly recommend it as well. I would say out of all the one-offs that Vanessa has recommended, that's the one I'm most interested in. And I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I definitely am. Yeah. And the octopus. Uh, uh, oh, God, octopus. I forgot about it. How could I forget about the octopus? <laughs> She's not going it's to let It's everywhere. I'm never going to let you forget it. You're going to read that shit. If you would just read it, we can all move on. I know. Oh, I, okay. I'll, I'll work on that. Just listen to it. Don't read it. Listen to it. Let, yeah, just let listen it to just... It. Listen to it just, just like mindlessly. It. When you're walking and like working out and stuff, okay. it's like perfect okay. for that. Yeah. yeah. Is it? Or is like T.I. It is better for that. It is. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Okay. Just read it. <laughs> okay. All right, oldie but goodie. Um, it's time we just we just refer back to Pretty Girls. It's time we had Karen Slaughter. There's no other book I'm thinking of right now as oldie but goodie than Pretty Girls. This one came out in 2015. Um, I, I also want to go ahead and say that at the event, Karen Slaughter said this book has been picked up for a movie or a TV yes. series or something y'all. And can, can y'all just say, I almost jumped about in my seat right then and there and I like <laughs> ran to the stage and got like escorted off. Like 
I was so <laughs> excited to hear that. So anyways, just wanted to get that out before I forgot. Um, okay, a quick premise. 20 years ago, Claire's oldest sister, Julia, went missing. No one knew where she went. There was no note, no body. It was a mystery that never got solved and tore her family apart. Now, another girl has disappeared with chilling echoes of the past, and it seems she might not be the only one. Claire is convinced Julia's disappearance is linked, but when she begins to learn the truth about her sister, she's confronted with a shocking discovery, and boy, do we mean shocking. As Stephanie <laughs> alluded to earlier, don't get raped in the, the, stab, in the stab hole. Stab yeah, hole. yeah. Nothing will ever be the same, and uh, you will not be the same after you read this book. Um, mm -hmm. we all had to take a mental reading break after we read this one to just digest everything that we just mentally inhaled. Mm -hmm. Um, and a funny little blurb about this book. When we went to the event, um, you know, I asked her where she got the idea for this book. She said she must've had the idea somewhere in the back of her brain all along because she had woke up from a dream one night and she had pages and pages written down about this. Uh, she did say Tramadol was involved. She had a slip disc in her back. So, you know, she was all drugged up and stuff. Um, and she was actually in the midst of writing another book for that year. But she loved the idea for this book so much that she convinced her, are they called publicist or what are they called? Publisher something. She convinced them to let her go ahead and start working on this one. Um, and by the time she sat down to write that first scene in her book, it was so well ingrained in her brain, the entire storyline. She said it was just like dictation, typing it out on pages. Um, I love that story, mm -hmm. that backstory for this. I just really did. Um, I love that she's so mentally disturbed in the back of her brain somewhere that she just had this <laughs> sitting there and all she needed was like tramadol to incite it. Like, I just love that. So um, she told a, another cute story <laughs> about, um, when Roseanne asked her the question, like, how did you come up with, you know, the most effed up part of the book? She was like, well, a quick story about that. Uh, she was like, I had someone email me about when she was in a sorority, um, they would pass books around and they were at like UGA or something somewhere where it would be like yeah, crime pickings in a Karen Slaughter book. Um, yeah. And she was like, uh, they passed these books around and they passed around pretty girls and they had this running joke that when one of them would go out with the boy, they would, when she was leaving, they'd be like, don't get raped in the stabby hole. Which is a part of this book. So, uh, you know, it was just a funny little joke. And the fact that, like, that's why we, you know, these like-minded people we met at Karen Slaughter's event, like, you're a special kind of, like, messed up when you make jokes like that. When you're like, you know, you read this book and you're like, oh, my God, I can't wait for someone else to read this so that we can talk about it. Like, you want everyone else yeah. to experience what you experience with their writing. And it's a very special messed up little club we have. <laughs> or that well, when she I, has. when I stood up well when I stood up and said I think Pretty Girls is our collective favorite like we got a round of applause in the crowd like a lot of people were like yeah like no one else had that much clappage when someone <laughs> was talking about a book that they had read yeah. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yeah. that but I do and I was like I do yeah so good. Mm -hmm. well and too she even yeah. said she's like I she's like I always tell people if you can get through Pretty Girls you can read anything is what she said yeah. she acknowledges she, she knows that. it was a it was a special <laughs> little level um yeah. yeah. So if you haven't read Pretty Girls yet, uh, if you're up for it, don't say we didn't warn you. But no, I think it's a it. it's a prerequisite. Like to keep listening, I you have to. That's why we like everything doesn't compare. We're like, you know, they didn't really describe <laughs> how assaulted she was. You know, that's <laughs> it's, it takes a star down on a book when it's not violent. <laughs> how tight was the stab hole? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't 
Don't edit that and come back for me later when we're rich and famous, okay? <laughs> or canceled, one of the or, two. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Our, our listeners go way down after this one. They're like, good God, lady. <laughs> okay. Ready for some fun character yes. sessions? I'm nervous about this for some reason. Google time. Okay. Um, this one's kind of different because it's already been adapted to TV. Um, Karen, we love you, but collectively we are all disgruntled about who was chosen. And actually she addressed that in the event and said, you know, would I rather have someone playing, in, for example, Will Trent, who looks like him, but doesn't fully understand Will and how he acts and how he thinks, or would I rather have someone who understands and engrosses everything or embodies everything that he is and portray that on TV? Would I say that Ramon Rodriguez embodies everything about Will Trent? He's a smidge quirky, but not quirky. I feel like how we imagined him to be, not just looks wise, but yeah, not he's definitely as not the quirky person. Now, I mean, I enjoy him as an actor. He's just not what, and and not right. just from the look, just in no like he doesn't envision yeah. that mentality that I think that Will possesses. I think he's a great yeah. actor, and I, I I enjoy him. I just. He's not what I would have, would have picked at all. Also, uh, fun fact, when you write a book, you have no say over who plays in your movie that gets adapted. And she made that very clear. She has absolutely no say. So maybe she's not happy with it and just has to say she is. So the world may okay. never know. Um, Steffi, you had a thought for who you thought would have played Will Trent. And that was Alexander Skarsgård. And I like that. He's hot. I like that. And I also have an alternative. What do y'all think of Alexander Skarsgård first? We, we already know um, what he looks like. We don't need to Google him. I mean, I okay. also like, I, I know I suggested him, but then like sometimes he doesn't even. Envision him as the, envision him as the husband in Big Little Lies. That was on HBO yeah. Max. Envision him as that husband, I feel like, for Will Trent in Stephanie's mind. Hmm. I'm also yeah. going to throw an alternative at you. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Charlie Hunnam. Oh, um, he's not. He's not a big guy. That's the problem. He's small. Just because he's not tall. Just because he's not tall. He's not. He's not hitting. He's not hitting. What, so what about my, my personal favorite? He's so is always Ryan Gosling in anything like this. He's just, yeah. he would be, he'd, be, he'd have a perfect little Southern. Yes, he That's would. good. He That's would good, good, Sammy. He I would be good, that. Sammy. He would yeah, be good. Would be. You're going to dream about him tonight. Steph. Okay, so so you guys don't like Charlie Hunnam for Will Trent? No. Uh, no. No, I don't like Charlie Hunnam. No, he's Hunnam. just beautiful. I'm not digging Ryan he's Gosling. Ness, who do you got? Who do you think? You got nobody. I don't think I think of. I don't think I think of a real person. I think of somebody in my own head that doesn't exist. Yeah. There's also a period where I thought the guy who plays in Lawless, the main Big Brother. Hold on. I could see Ryan. Tom Hardy. <laughs> That's who it was. But Tom Hardy, Tom a very, Hardy. a very particular Tom Hardy. You know, like a lot of these guys, you have to, it has to be a very particular version of them to to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Tom Hardy. I looked Tom Hardy for this, but he wasn't. Um, I, he wasn't Tom Hardy. 
he wasn't hitting it for me and for this particular. And I feel like okay. also I think more of the physique of like a, a Ryan Reynolds is what I would say. Just his height and his slim, slender physique and just I mean, I know his personality is kind of like he's always a funny guy, but he could be quirky and weird and I don't know. Hmm. Like I imagine a super tall person who's like just right. uncomfortable mm-hmm. in his own skin. That's kind of who I imagine. It's not really anybody I've seen play a character, I guess. That's what I'm saying. He's not a person I can envision. Mm -hmm. There's pieces of him I would pull out of people. Yeah. But I don't think there's a person I can actually peg who fits the bill. And I am curious who the fuck she has picked in her head is the person that she embodies as Will Trent. Karen? Who? Karen? Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) you're looking at me. I was like, I just Mm -hmm. told you. (laughs) Like, who is it? Who is this person that you envision? Like, what is he... What would you, you know? What, who, what if I wasn't so what? drunk and fangirling out, I probably could have asked that. that. I know, yeah, God but damn I was it, sitting here like a freaking idiot. Okay, <laughs> all right, Sarah Linton. I imagined Jessica Chastain, and then Stephanie had an alternate suggestion as well, which I like also because I forgot about her. It's Christina Hendricks. She's also a fiery redhead. But even still, truthfully, I know I put Christina Hendricks down for so for two things. So Christina Hendricks, can we just take a, better? Can we do okay? Well, can we just take a second? Christina <laughs> Hendricks. I don't even even though I put Christina on there, like there were like for a second I was like, oh, like I could see her, you know, facial wise, but like even but Sarah I feel like was like a touch more a touch less Prettier. seductive than Christina Hendricks, like less she seductive, a little less. bit more classically pretty than, you know? Yeah. And so I, I couldn't find anybody really either. Um, Let me throw another name at you then. Okay. Michelle Monaghan. I feel like she would also be a very good Sarah. <gasps> Ooh. Right. Oh, was, she was in that, uh, the precious you guys twin. All watch. Your precious twin <laughs> movie. Um, I don't like her as an actress. So No. She will ruin it for me. No. Well, what would you think about Jessica Chastain? Did nobody like her? I said I liked her. Didn't? Oh, am I on did mute I, again? I, 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 looked her. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't vibe. She looks. She's. She's too. A little too rigid to me. She. Didn't, I didn't vibe. Well, um, honestly, and just FYI, guys, people can dye their hair. So why do they have? I to know. Be redhead? And she does not. She's not rigid. I feel like, though, that Sarah is, like, she's a prop, she's from, like, a proper family, like, middle class, she's not low, her family was able to afford to put her through some serious medical school without major debt, like, she's from, like, a decent family, so having a little bit of air to her is, she's classy, and I feel like Jessica Chastain fits the bill. I meant, like, literally, her face is too rigid for me. It's a little too jutty. They don't say Sarah is uh, round-faced. Yeah, but they don't say she has a jutting chin, and that's how I would describe Jessica Chastain. A very pointed wow. jutting chin. I would I would point that out. I okay. I think she's a stunning woman and I great pick Roseanne, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um Faith Mitchell. Stephanie, who is Colette Wolf? The Googler. I I did. Like what has she played in? So She's if I can be real no honest, and nobody so if, to me. If I can be real honest, she was <laughs> an extra right. in the office. <laughs> oh my god! 
Why? Why are you making suggestions? She was an extra in the office. You're out of this. But she was in the office. She wore her hair in a ponytail and she wore a little pantsuit and she like came in and she was not in a funny role. She was coming in as like, you know, she was an extra. She was coming in as like a real person who ended up stuck in this office with the people. And her, her just her vibe in that show, like has always stuck with me as Faith. So there. Hmm. Uh, Okay. Um. All right. Who did you pick, Rosanne? <laughs> I picked Catherine Winnick. How do you spell the uh, Winnick? And I ha- and what? I have an alternative as well. Winnick. She played in that show Big Sky, and she played a a cop in that one, a badass but pretty cop. And I liked her vibe in that show. Mm-hmm. And then I also have another one for you guys. Okay. Kim Dickens. Is it sad that we all have to Google every single one of these people? Nope. Yeah, it is. She's a good one too because she has kind of a hard look. I her. like her. Persona. I like her personality. For, for, I like her for faith. Yeah, yeah. Faith. I like her personality Kim for Dickens. faith. Yeah, yeah. For sure, she was in um, Sons of Anarchy. She was. She's in, in a lot of stuff. Um, what is Gone, Gone Girl? Girl? Is that from the book? That Gone we... Girl. Right. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Gone Girl was a Gillian Flynn novel. Mm-hmm. That's right. Great novel. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you guys like Kim Dickens better? I yeah, do. That one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. For Amanda, I chose Jodie Foster. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I Why? like Jodie Foster. Okay. It's Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster today. Let me do that because these are all young pictures of her. I want to see her old. Okay, okay. So there's a if you go if there's a um, Jodie Foster in the Mauritanian. I don't know how to pronounce that show, but she has salt and pepper bob and looks very much so like Amanda Wagner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Good pick. I'll allow it. Anybody else though? Any backups? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't have any backups for Amanda because also, you were so sure. Well, no, because while I was reading this, all I could picture was the Amanda from Will Trent. Uh-huh. But that's in no way, shape, or form who's in the book. And so when I was thinking of who would I, in reality, pick, it was just Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster looks like a live scorpion. I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that's accurate. Um, And then I'm going to hit one more person who's not in this book, but who's just in the Will Trent, um, Angie, because she she was talked about in this one. Um, But I always imagine someone like Leela Lauren. Um, And if nobody's watched Power, this won't make any sense to you. Who? Leela, L-E-L-A-L-O-R-E-N. I don't know who she is. Because you didn't watch Power and you're missing out. Perhaps. She's a feisty Latina. Okay. I mean, she fits the physical description. I just don't, I don't know her personality, but she fits the physical. She's mm-hmm. a little um, cleaner. You know, she'd have to be a little uh, trampier to be Angie. She was vice, you know, <laughs> she was vice for Atlanta Police Department. Like, you know, she was, she went undercover, you know. 
And the show um, that I'm referring to, Power, she played like the ADA. So she's got a that kind of role about her that I was just envisioning for this. It's very show. different than um, Undercover Vice, ADA. Very different. I, I know, but her personality is also very feisty. So you would know. As usual, you know nothing. TV whore. And, you, and I know everything. Yes. TV whore, you would know. Okay. Yeah, I would. You've ran through all these shows. Okay. Um. And then I want to throw another one out there, Eliza. I chose Jessica Lange. You said that with a smile on your face. You were proud of that one. Mm. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> she would be perfect for that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Smoking the cigarettes with her just like yes. yeah. shriveling body. Okay. And then I did do a couple um, main characters from this particular book okay i'll start with brit i chose kate hudson okay oh i actually like that okay. good job rose mm-hmm. i like yeah. that i could see her like being uh-huh vicious so harsh yeah mm-hmm. i could see that very much so yeah. And it would throw you for a loop. Mm-hmm. Like if this was, you know, a show or a movie, like you would not expect like mm-hmm. Kate Hudson to like her character to beat a young girl to death mm-hmm. with, or not to death, but beat her with a tennis racket. That's what I'm picturing is the tennis mm-hmm. racket scene. Yeah. It would be a shocking so. like flash in. If, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Good pick. I could right. just imagine her being like a epitome of like a rich bucket yeah. Betty bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Embodying yeah. that sure. very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her husband, Mac. I chose Bradley Cooper, and I hate to do this to him, but... Why do you keep doing Yikes. this to the guys? Why? Oh, I'm having a Google. I already know this. I, know, I Googled I anyways because I needed to see his face, though. Yikes. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I hate to do it to him. I do. I mean, it could happen, I guess. And I mean, would you fight back, though? I know. I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, huh. Oh, no. Bradley guys, Cooper, don't. You might make it more interesting. <laughs> if it's if it's not going not well... This time? <laughs> It would totally, if you were like, I'm going to come, it would flip him out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. Do not. If I have any requests in in the next 10 episodes, do not edit that out. (laughs) You guys, this is so fucked up. It is, but here we are. Okay, all right. So for their fucked up son, I chose Jacob E. Lordy. And that probably is not going to make any sense to you unless you've watched Euphoria. Uh, but it'll work. Yeah, he looks like a douchey douche. Yeah. What was it? <laughs> Jacob Elordi. It's Jacob eyebrows. Elordi. Yeah. Sorry, and the mustache and the way he has his lips. like Yeah. yeah he's Perfect for it, Roseanne. Yep, good job. And again, if you've watched Euphoria, it would make 100% sense. Okay, I don't think I even need to watch one. it for it to make sense. Well, I, actually, you do. No. Who, who's doing that? You're going to need to watch Euphoria. Um, actually, RIP to one of the best actors in the whole show who recently passed away. What a roller coaster you just <laughs> went on. Who were you yelling at? Because <laughs> somebody... Somebody keeps making a lot of fucking noise on their microphone. So enjoy editing all this, Stephanie. It's not me. What if it's okay. me? <laughs> it's actually Roseanne. She's just trying to cover it up. I think it's not her. It's not me. It's not me. Anyways, no. Um, 
yeah, if I've, if I can plead with you guys to watch anything in life, it's White Lotus and please watch Euphoria. Okay. Just... We need to Wait. know what our kids are up against. <laughs> Wait, is, is it White Lotus or Euphoria? Which one are we supposed to be watching? Both. Both. I'm saying if I could, I if I could sit oh. here and plead with you to watch anything in life, it's those two, like Euphoria for the sheer fact of we need to know what our children are exposed to. Now, Euphoria is a little off base, but you need to know what our children are exposed to. And also, it's just a really good show. And again, RIP, Angus Cloud, I love you and I'm so sorry you're gone. I don't know what to do without you on the show. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Real quick, someone click on that link I sent in the chat. (laughs) I don't even have the chat open. This good stuff. This is why, (laughs) Jacob, this guy is perfect for us, Tommy. He has a sprawling designer bag collection. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just pictures of him with his purses. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. Thank you. I'm going to need to save this for my character session in the stories because this is is great oh this is good my favorite is of coming out of the door and he's got a little shoulder one on Mm -hmm. yeah he takes his purses very seriously um he's also australian i wonder how much they are oh they're expensive ones well his shoes could be oh my gosh there's like a little (laughs) blurb about every purse the shoulder bag (laughs) that is the best one with with his bucket hat kind of (laughs) dealing Wait, have we seen the one with the um, rhinestone sleeves? Yes. <laughs> Who is this guy? And he's so and I'm pretty sure he's wearing a onesie that's not tucked in. You know, it's supposed to have it's like a onesie that's not strapped. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my um, god, guys! I'm gonna need you to keep scrolling because there's a picture of him in some Nike shorts. And or I his balls are up. I can see it. <laughs> Wait, I already saw it, Roseanne. I scrolled right through. Jeez, I guys. I Wait, where? Which which picture? Keep going. Um, You'll see it when you see it. <laughs> the balls are out? No, no. You just see, like, everything else. Print. It's the imprint. Just a little print. Oh. Okay. <laughs> a little print. <laughs> Samantha sent it, not me. Like, he, like his outfits, he goes from, like, wearing, like, a trench coat and, like, oh, sweat, sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. in gym shorts. Like, <laughs> yeah. Something only rich people can do. You can't dress like this whenever you don't have money. He's, yeah, he's wearing a Harley Davidson motorcycle shirt. Like, you don't have, like. <sighs> oh, Lord. I definitely okay. look like that when I go to Walmart. Ew. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Okay, last pick. Um, I did one for Salone. And I chose Yvonne Stravonsky, a.k.a. Serena Joy. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh. She's, a, she's a total Sloan. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, she's a good pick for Sloan. Yeah. Yeah. Dare I say she's also a good pick for Brit? I know. I was actually thinking, I was like, damn, I wish she could be in there a little bit more. Yeah. Brit would be good, too. She would be a good uh-huh. Brit, wouldn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would be a really good one. We've seen her in that role mm. before. We've seen her that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but not like vicious. You got to be a buckhead Betty though, and I feel like Kate Hudson's a really good buckhead Betty. Yeah. Because Serena Joy is more like, you know, she's not a lot of makeup. She's not a lot of flashy stuff. She's very cut and dry. Does Kate Hudson wear a lot of makeup? She's pretty natural too. I well, I'm just like imagining what I've seen her in, and like. I feel like she would be much better.
better of a role in a Buckhead Betty. Anyway. Is that a new term? I don't know. Buckhead Betty? Is that an Atlanta thing? Um, no, it's just uh, you're in Buckhead, you're a Betty, and you're a rich bitch, and you don't have to work. And so it is an Atlanta thing. Socialize That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. Yes, there's lots of like I said, I want to be like a queen who's been sitting around getting fucked all day eating pasta. I want to be one of those. I want to eat pasta right now. I don't want to be fucked all day. If I'm being honest, just yeah. here and there. It makes me really sleepy, so I don't know if I could do both. I want to eat the pasta after, <laughs> not before. It makes me feel all bloaty, you know, not very know. sexy. So. The IBS will come out. It's got to be before. <laughs> oh God. I'm a little gassy. Sorry. That, that hey, that's how you get out of a rape, right there, Ness. That's what you do. You fart. You let your IBS act up, and you will too. You'll be all nervous and stuff. And be like, oops, sorry. I'm like, get the fuck out. I can't control it. <laughs> and oh yeah, hey, don't kidnap me. It's a gamble. <laughs> if it's a smelly one, yeah. <laughs> okay, garbage. everyone, just throw that away. <laughs> if you're ever in a rape hole, just fart. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, some TV shows, movies worth mentioning. Did any of y'all watch Ratchet on Netflix? Yes. The first season. Yes. yes. Okay. Is it okay. back out? Season, well, season two is about to come out, so they released the trailer, but then oh, they haven't released a it. stupid... Yes. They haven't released the actual release date, which is dumb. Why would you release the trailer? No date. Um, but anyways, I didn't... Yeah, but I didn't know this, but it was based on the book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The novelist who wrote the book based the villain in that book, the nurse, on a nurse who he met while he was working the night shift in a psychiatric facility. Facility. So that's where that whole idea of Nurse Ratchet came about. Um, if you haven't watched season one, go ahead and watch it and get ready because I think season two is coming out soon. They just haven't said when and it's on Netflix. Enjoy. It is all kinds of good. Mm-hmm. It is good. Um, I just love her in general. She's such a fabulous actress. And I enjoy the, um, shit, I should know this, but the crazy guy who acted all crazy in it. Um, what's his name? He was also in American Horror Story. And stuff. Oh, American Horror Story. Yeah. I can't remember what his um, name is either, but he is amazing too. The dark They just guy, work like, so well, really well together. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's a really good one. It, it's different. It's not. A typical show I actually probably would have watched unless someone said, hey, this is really good. Watch it. So enjoy. And oh, and thank me later. Um, another one. Um, I talked about this one on a um, podcast we recorded that didn't get released, but it's Don't Worry Darling. It came out on HBO Max a little while ago, but it's on Netflix now for all you poor people. Um, so it's not based on a book, but rather a speculative screenplay written by Dick Van Dyke's grandsons. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think Steffi, you watched it. Nessie, Mm -hmm. you watched it. Sam, did you ever? No, because it's not based on an actual book. So You didn't listen to me? Oh, okay. And you were poor and don't have HBO Max? (laughs) No, she's she's talking shit because we keep talking shit about our twin book. Um, Our twin movie. And her her Malay written down. Oh, yeah. Everything's based off of something And the Malaysian plane. (laughs) What do you think a script is in every single movie? <laughs> Anyways, I saw it. It's on Netflix now. So I, if you All want right. something. My poor ass will watch it. 
Okay. It's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's very outside the box. Like you're going to watch it and be like, what the fuck did I just watch and think about it and might want to watch it again. It's, it's very different. I enjoyed yeah, it. It's very good. Um, okay. This one is coming out in theaters, October 20th. It's going to be released on Apple TV later afterwards. It's called killers of the flower moon. You might've seen some previews. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro. Um, if you're a dances with wolves fan, this one's for you. It's based on the nonfiction book killers of the flower moon, the Osage murders and the birth of the FBI written by a journalist, David Gann, Grand, sorry. Um, I'm going to need you guys to watch the trailer if you haven't already. And then um, if you want to maybe go watch this movie together or watch it at the same time, I think it's going to be really good. And I, I'm going to want to chat about it after. Have you guys seen the previews? Let's make a date. No, I haven't. I'll have to look it up. It's got stellar reviews already um, from the, what's the film festival? Cannes Film Festival or whatever it's come out. Mm-hmm. And people have been raving about it already. So I think it's going to be really good. Okay. Stay tuned. Okay, last one. Um, so in the Halloween spirit, I have a spooky one. It's called Dear David. It comes out in theaters and I think Netflix as well on October 13th. Um, again, this is one is not based on a book, but it's based on a Twitter thread that was created by a bus by a BuzzFeed writer. Listen, listen, listen to me. <laughs> You're about to get kicked off this segment. Yes. You're about to get no, fired. No, it looks super spooky. And like the fact that it was a, a movie is based off a guy's Twitter thread because he's getting haunted by this freaking boy. And so he's on this Twitter thread recounting all his scary stories. And he's like, I don't even believe in ghosts. I'm not, not trying to make y'all believe in ghosts, but like this fucked up shit really happened to me. And it was so disturbing. It ended up getting like 1 million followers on Twitter. And so they actually ended up making a, a show about it. And um, it looks super fucking scary, y'all. So anyways, in the spirit of Halloween, I wanted to throw that one out there. No, it's not based on a book, but it isn't based again on something written down. Same day. Really Who knew that was the only thing that was needed to write it down? <laughs> okay. Anyway. The written word. <laughs> well, I just want to, the reason I'm giving Rosanna a hard time real quick is because literally this, the title of this says, TV shows, movies worth mentioning. And in parentheses, it says only if they're based off a book that she wrote specifically for me. So I'm just. I did. <laughs> I did. That's why I keep because giving you shit. She was removed. Her books were removed. Her movies were removed She's because removed. they were not based on books. <laughs> or Roseanne Roaster. Excuse me. Excuse me. Actually, <laughs> Stephanie was the one that said this segment's a little long. Maybe we should only limit it to, to stuff that's been based on books. And only here and there. Here we go. Only only here and there do I throw out something that was not based on a book. But it's very rare. If I feel like it's worth highlighting, I'll throw it out there. And that's my call. No one else is contributing to this. This is my section. So I actually get to do what I want. Okay. (laughs) Are we done? Yes. Are we we ready to get the fuck out of here? (laughs) Yes. We're going to edit that shit out. It's 10 p.m. All right. Okay, y'all. That was episode seven. We hope that you guys enjoyed this book by the goat, Karen Slaughter, as much as we did. 
um, this episode. Actually, I'm going to insist you guys do some homework. Um, we really need you guys to read Pretty Girls, and I want you guys to report back to us immediately after doing so. And I need you to give us an either. Why did you guys make me do that? Or, wow, that was the best book I've ever read. Thank you for recommending. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the spirit of Halloween, we decided to go with a ghost story called The September House by Carissa Orlando. This book has been described as a genre-blending masterpiece that is part horror, part complex psychological suspense, and part dark humor. So please head over to our Instagram for release dates and further details about the book. And while snooping around on our Instagram, guys, let us know how we did, the good and the bad. We really want to hear from you. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. Oh, and please remember to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode seven of the Literally Trash podcast. Thanks for hanging with us again for another little bit heavy book. Uh, We will lighten it up for you next time. Um, All right, that's it. Cheers and happy reading. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Uh. (laughs)